internets. You are tuned in to the Almighty Combat Jack Show. Salutes. Get ready for combat. Combatjackshow.com. Salutes. Get ready for combat. Internet, stand the fuck up and salutes. Now I'm playing with y'all. Sit the fuck down. Put it on your speakers and listen to this episode. What up, Dallas Penn? What the fuck did you do this weekend, man? Man, I went and um, I bought some polo. I'm not talking about what you did. I'm talking about, dude, I wake up today, man, and, and they're saying you fucking broke the internet. Oh, Combat Jack, you cannot break the internet. You broke the because internet, Dallas Penn. Because there are many internets. Dallas Penn, you broke the internet. You, you, you did this whole polo gate thing. Okay. This, 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 this. Okay, Combat, all I did, all I did was extend a little bit of privilege. Don't speak in code, my dude. No, no, no. Let me explain to you what I did. What the fuck did you do, man? All right. Um, I had access to a discount code through polo.com. So it was something that, that, that it was anybody called, could get. It was called an employee's discount code. But it, was that open to the world? Only people that only people that knew about it, right? How how does one get to know about it? Uh, first of all, combat. I am fresh to debt. All right, fresh to motherfucking D E B T. Okay, I live to fucking cop low and kicks. Right, I do that shit all the fucking time. Yeah, and we so all, so and, my little network of people who know that I love this shit. Right, my little hackers, my little you know, my little internet. As a friend. As my brother and as a member of this show, don't say anything that might implicate yourself legally. Oh, Murta. So Listen, I don't want to hear nothing about. I'm no talking hackers. about. I'm talking about all the people that spend their time, you know, sending you fucking music. Okay. Sending you this fucking community movies. Of ours, this community. It's the, it's the internet. Right. And people know I fucks with Polo. Right. So somebody was like, "Yo, DP, boom, hold this employee discount code." It's 65%. I was like, what the fuck? What? Now, is 65% normal? 65% is not normal. The I've had the employee uh, discount code before. Um, I've had a 50% joint. That's the highest one you've had? That's the highest I've ever had. Normally, I want to say that it's 40%. Okay. Mm. So it, it, there's levels to the shit. Right. There's also the unspoken VIP code. Mm-hmm. That, that brands have where an executive just fucking puts in their code and the shit gets sent to them for free. This is the Holy Grail one. That's the Holy Grail. That's Does that one. really exist? Of course. That it's really spoken exists. of in whispers, but it does exist. Okay. But, but 65 is amazing. 65 is, is mind blowing. Think 65 is, is like something that costs 300 is now a hundred dollars. So, so somebody sent this to you for your own personal use. Somebody sent it to me like, yo, DP, fuck with this. Not, I won't say for my own personal use. Someone sent this to me like, DP, I know you fucks with Polo. Boom. I got this. Hold this. Okay. So you got it. And then what you do it. with it? I got it on Sunday night at about 1030, a little right. bit after 1030. Right. So I said, oh, shit. Let me see if it's official. And you were told that it expires at midnight? Oh, yes. I was told that it expires at midnight. So I had basically an hour and change to to cop some shit. Right. So I um went to uh, uh logged on uh the polo.com and put some pieces in my I already had some pieces anyway that I had been, you know, Eyeing and ogling. Oh uh, yeah, you know, you put some shit on your in your wish list, you put some shit in your shopping cart, you know, I mean, you don't buy it cuz it's too fucking expensive, right. but 
you know, you hold on to this, and it kind of it motivates me to do stuff because boom, I, I get a little bread. Boom, because you actively this. window shop at, 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 at on the site. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, absolutely. Um, so when I put this code in, uh, these sixty five percent went off of these items. So it, it recalculated these numbers. It, it started tabulating. The shit was it was jackpot. Uh, I, when you looked at your total, I was like, "What the fuck? I'm about <laughs> to pay. I'm about to pay pennies for this shit." <laughs> Now, did you have money set aside for this shit or what? The funny thing was I had already kind of blew my discretionary budget early in the weekend on polo. Right. And some and some some Jordan sneakers. So I was kind of my discretionary budget was was spent. Right. So right now I was I was about to tap into the household budget, mm. which is uh light bill, cable bill, groceries. I was about to open that money up. So I said, fuck it. I mean, this was 65% is, is you cannot, once in a lifetime in a sense. Well, I mean, it, it, it that's rare. very rare. rare. It's rare. Super it's it's rare. a comet sighting. Come right. on. Um, so I said, fuck it, man. I mean, there were some things that were just, I had my eyes on and at with 65%, like I said, something that's 300 is now a hundred dollars. So how much did you actually spend on this, on this, on this? I spent a few hundred. Okay. Like I three, basically three, spent 300. Three I spent almost 400. Okay. So okay. that's basically you spent twelve hundred worth of twelve. Not uh, a little, uh, like eleven hundred. What? Eleven hundred dollars retail. Yep. Came down to three eight. And it's not no. This is not no throwaway. This is like top of the line shit. I mean, everything is. Everything. Okay. Is. I mean, even even if even if you're buying a hundred and fifty dollars shirt, this shit is down to fifty dollars. So, so you you bought this, and you bought you bought these items, and I I clicked through it. Uh, paid the money. They sent me a confirmation that my order was placed. <laughs> so I was like, fuck, this shit is real. Okay. So then what do you do next? Well, I was, I was so happy inside. I was just like, you know what? Um, I, I talked to people on Instagram, Twitter about this shit all the time. I said, you know what? Let me show love since people only have an hour to get in this window anyway. Right. Figuratively, I, I what do you end think, you know, do you think like this shit is going to fucking snowball? I didn't. I really didn't think so. I thought that a few people. It's Sunday night combat. If most people, but you are one of the proudest and loudest champions of this right. lifestyle. That's right. But I'm. But I'm. I'm. To me, I'm. I'm. I thought I was by myself. Okay. So I you're mean, not understanding the power of Dallas Penn. No, no, no. I just thought I. W I was by myself in a sense. Said, oh man, that's just Dallas talking that polo shit. Tell you know, offering us sales. Man, he 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 got too much shit already, and I just thought I just thought people would not be as activated Sunday as night. I was. So you Sunday put, night, you put, so you put it out on your Twitter. I put it out on Twitter. I put it on Instagram. Like, yo, I just bought some shit off Polo, sixty-five percent off. Here's the code. You got till midnight. Whatever, and you kept it moving. That was it. Boom, right. boom. A few people that would get in. I figured, you know, four or five people going to get Jay in. Jay Slayers. The yeah, yeah, but, but Jay Slayer, Jonathan Maynard. You know, my man, Crispy Coyle, my, he, the cats like that fresh to debt. Right, right. All right. Those fresh cats. to debt. Fresh to debt. Like debt. straight up, like, yo, we're going to spend this last fucking dollar. Okay. And, um, boom, uh, instantly in the, in the next 10 minutes, I got a flood of, of at replies on Twitter and on <laughs> Instagram. Like, yo, is this shit real? How many? Like about like, 40? uh, man, it, it was, it just was so constant that right. I had to keep replying okay. and replying like, yes, it's real. How do you know people are asking, how do I do it? And too so many I, questions. I've seen so over many 200. Questions, I was just too many questions. Explaining to people right. how to do it and, right, right, and right. what to, and it just was constant. I 
was constantly explaining to people from 11 o'clock to 4 in the morning. <laughs> wait, wait, but I thought this thing was supposed to end at midnight. Well, it didn't. It didn't end. Maybe it ended at midnight Hawaii time. Right. So, 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 so as this is going, you get another code? Into, into the first joint, I get hit up with another code. Same, same source or different source? Different source. Different what? source. What? Different source. Totally different code. This code was, was even iller because this code, you could go, you didn't, you didn't have to go to the RL employee website. You could go to just to the regular, regular site, regular site, put this code in, in, in your checkout and bong, you got that same 65% flourishment. 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 Flourishment, man. Flourishment is, is, is just some shit that yo, you know what? I, I'm, I'm not going to buy this shit for myself because it's too expensive. And then bong, I need to treat myself. Bong, I'm buying it. So wait, so, so you went to sleep at four in the morning. I went to sleep at four in the morning. Dealing with all of this shit. Just constantly. And this shit keeps, it, it doesn't stop. I, I woke up at five and I answered another, uh, flurry of, of tweets and Instagram questions. Woke up at six, answered more questions. Seven, going to work. Dallas, why did, why did people go so crazy over this shit, man? Well, I'll tell you what. Here's what I'm trying to say, combat. What we got, with that 65% off combat is we got a taste of motherfucking privilege. <laughs> we, regular people, we was getting to taste privilege. Now, you, you even had Just Blaze jump out buying crazy shit. Just Blaze bought a, a crystal skull. He bought a fucking metal fucking... A, a chandelier. He bought a chandelier. He, he bought, Just Blaze bought ill shit. Crazy shit. He bought a slave. Fifty seven hundred like, like, dollars. Like, like I'm amazed at the power of this fucking brand, B. Could, could would this have happened if it was a different brand? No. Would this have happened if it was Rocksmith? No. 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 I mean, hold on for a second. Let's understand what what Polo Ralph Lauren and it extends. People talk about, oh, Ralph Lauren don't give a fuck about y'all. Listen, it's so much bigger than that person. He's created a brand that describes the American lifestyle of living the life the way you want. Like I rock some polo shit combat and depending on, on what that piece is, I, I immediately am allowed. Like when I rock my rescue coastal rescue jacket, I'm allowed to, to go on a coast guard boat. It takes you someplace. It allows you, it, it gives you the power of whatever that piece so, so, is suggesting. So, 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 so now Bossip is covering it and complex is covering it. Are you worried that there might be any type of implications? Uh, no, I'm not. I'm not. I mean, the, the like, uh, I'm trying to ask you what you did. Was it above board? Like, could, like, is this, like, somebody was like, yo, that's grand larceny. Blah, 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 blah. No, no, I don't feel like that is. I mean, I'll, I'll, I may have to have a lawyer explain that. You to got somebody. a lawyer. I spoke to, I sp on your, not even on your behalf, but out of curiosity, cause this was, a phenomena that most of us had never seen. I reached out to Kenny Montgomery, friend of the Combat Jack yeah, Show. Yeah, family. And, and, family, and family and he's been on the show and a whole night. What up? And I was like, yo, Ken, because he, he had said something on Twitter. I was like, is my man in danger of like, mm. of any prosecution? Of prosecution. And mm. he was like, well, it depends on how you got this information. Was it in any way public? Mm -hmm. Yes. Okay. The information was public. Yes. 
But but see, the, the thing is, when we say it's something public, could I have found it? No. You couldn't have found it because you're not in tune with that kind of shit. Could if you, Pete have found it? No, Pete's not in tune with that. Could Pete, first of all, Pete, God bless him. I constantly tease Pete for dressing like a guy who gets free shit. <laughs> Pete spent seven hundred dollars. You spent seven hundred dollars. Did you get a confirmation? Yeah, I got a confirmation. I didn't get a shipment right. confirmation. Right, yet, but I'm keeping my fingers crossed. Yeah, we'll see. How many people do you think estimate? Flourished on this flourishment. On this flourishment? Handout. Man, I, just from my mentions and, and just from the people talking to me directly. And you gotta. Just from the people talking to me directly. Yeah. I could, I could guesstimate that 500. That's it? I gotta say more than that. I gotta I, say I, more than that. Dude. I'm gonna guesstimate 500. I'm gonna be conservative. 500. 500 people, but I mean, 500 people spending yeah, a lot of money. 400, overnight. 700, overnight. 900, 1,000. So what do you think the people over at Ralph Lauren are saying? Like, I'm sure they're noticing this, this, this is some type of anomaly. I, I can't believe that the people at Ralph Lauren secretly, especially with the second code that I had, didn't put that out. I feel like the second code that I came up on. It's on them. Was, was from them. Right. That's what I, that was my feeling. That was my, my personal feeling. Um, you know, here's, when you look at the you mathematics. You Robin Hood shit, B. When you look at the mathematics of, of, of this clothing, though, combat. Right. Um, at the, the current price points, you know, without the discount, that shit's gonna sit around. It's gonna sit in their warehouse. It's gonna sit on Macy's floor until the shit goes on so clearance. You did them benefit. I like to say that, that they got a whole bunch of cash and money up front. So now they don't have this overstock that goes to Marshalls or these TJ other Max discounters, TJ Maxx, all these other people, which they would have sold these which pieces. Which has these stigma and a whole nother. Well, which would have sold, they would have had to sell these pieces to those stores right. for much less than they sold to people who are actually going to wear. They basically got TJ Maxx. Not only that, but I'll tell you what, the things that I bought were, were priced higher than I would have paid for them at TJ Maxx. Mm. They were still tremendously discounted. So you, you paid more than what you would have paid for. I would pay, I paid more than what I would have paid at, at Marshalls. Right. At Marshalls, I paid like thirty dollars, thirty five dollars mm. for knit shirts. Right. For a couple of these joints, I paid fifty. But I was like, "Fuck it, I got this shirt I wanted." Right. I got this fire. What's the hottest shit you got out of this whole thing, man? Um, what's the stupidest shit I got out of this whole thing? Uh, I I got a fucking cape. A cape. <laughs> I got a, I, I got a fucking cape. What do you mean a cape? Like a cape, like a, a cape that you wear if you want to like fly a plane. Like a captain's cape. Cape. A velvet cape. Yeah, I gotta see this shit. Yo, man. A velvet and leather listen, cape. Listen, man. Listen, this shit is still boggling my mind because I, I, you know, I, I witness it from you guys, but I still don't really know about this lifestyle. But I, you bless so many people and I put this out there today. You motherfuckers out there that benefited from this flourishment campaign. Y'all got to give brother this brother something back, man. I'm saying for, for years now, Dallas Penn, and I've not always seen eye to eye with Dallas Penn in terms of like requesting that the people that benefit from his content pay him directly, but y'all got to come up off something, each and every goddamn one of y'all. Probably account. Yeah, hit him on his probably account. Go to DallasPenn.com. Yo, niggas need to buy you a fucking Rolex, B. 
I mean, listen. Damn, a damn, Rolex, damn. man. A Submariner. I get this man something. Somebody needs to organize this shit, man. I will say this. Uh, DP. I, I fuck with Tag Hoy hard body, though. Nah, ah, no, he don't on, even dude. know. Nah, come on. We off that. Don't, we off that. Yo, he don't even know. <laughs> he he no talking about models. that life, lifestyle. He talking about Tag. Y'all oldest man, at Formula least a one, fucking tag, tag Rolex. Yo, yo, Dallas, <laughs> no man. No Marines. You know what? You surprise the shit out of me consistently, man. But But that one right there. I'm amazed. I, I can't even put no value on it, man. I, I can't. I don't know what to call it, but the shit is. But I'm in pure amazement. I'm, I'm combat. I'm trying to tell you that it was a feeling of privilege. We talk. We talk about this all the time. All the time. And and to feel like to get sixty five percent off of this shit. <laughs> like, you're the official Robin Hood of Polo. I, I I I had to share this privilege. And Ralph Robin Hood. Here's the crazy shit, though, combat. <laughs> now now there's all kind of discussion now that. Uh, Polo may not fulfill these orders that people have Can made. Can they do that? I, absolutely. absolutely. Even though they've people have gotten confirmations. Even though people have gotten confirmations. The people that got shipping confirmations, you know, beautiful. Some people said that, oh, you, if you had paid for overnight shipping, because, oh, here was the, the this is why it was flourishment and privilege combat. Not only was it 65% off, it was free shipping. Oh, my fucking God. It was free shipping. Free shipping. Free shipping. Free shipping. Like, like you got 65% off, and we're just going to send you the shit. When are you supposed to be getting these packages, man? You got you to gotta wait for your shipping confirmation. But you got your shipping confirmation. No, I have a I have a order confirmation. So now it's a waiting game. It's a waiting game. Has anybody received shipping confirmation? Yes. yes. People have. Yes. People are claiming, people are claiming they have. I mean, I'm not, you know what I'm not doing? I'm not posting, uh, anyone's information. Right. Um, but people are claiming to me that they have received shipping confirmation. Y'all got to keep us posted, man. Y'all got, whenever y'all get that, 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 that package delivered, man, y'all got to twit pick it. I've shit. asked people, I've asked people. Y'all got to Instagram I've asked people, shit. Instagram it, twit pick it, hashtag straight flourishment. S-T-R-8 flourishment. <laughs> What do you think? What do you think, Ralph Lauren's response? Are, you, are they going to respond? That, that's a that combat is is the best question because um, Ralph Lauren historically hasn't really made any overture to the fact that his number one consumer, the people that that this buy this aspirational apparel, lock, sock, and barrel. Like I tell you what is. The African American, man, I shouldn't say just African, but the black and brown and yellow community. The people of color community. People of color, the mm. POC. Right. Buys the aspirational apparel, lock, stock, and barrel because it describes the American dream. Mm. It describes that we the all freedom. ultimately, no matter how, uh, discouraged or disenfranchised we may feel, this is still an opportunity to buy into that dream. Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. Okay, well, listen, man, I, I don't know how this thing is going to work out for you guys, man, but like I said, I'm still amazed. This is phenomenal. To me, it was a, a force of nature, man. And 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 and, and in a sense, man, I'm kind of proud. How do you feel, man? I I mean, when I when I see people uh uh showing me the the, the stuff they bought, that's when I'm going to really feel sick. That's when I'm going to really feel great <laughs> combat because we got to taste privilege. All right, we didn't get we didn't get the VIP code that was sending shit to us free, <laughs> but but at sixty five percent off, I mean, listen, that that's that's as much privilege as some of you niggas ever gonna get. Damn, yo, y'all better, y'all, like I said, man, y'all, Otis, man, Dallas Penn.
quickly, I want to uh, run down some uh, uh, tweets. Uh, again, you know, versus Dallas Penn. Uh, some people. Well, Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I'll I, I tell you, we, we, we'll just we'll just put it in in one simple surmise right here. Just Blaze said that this code was basically reparations. Reparations. Mm. Reparations. This was reparations and Ralph reparations. This was this was reparations from Ralph Lauren. So I hope I hope that Polo dot com fulfills every single person's order. And and to what Pete was trying to say, if you're trying to see some of these tweets. Go see the article on Bossa. Go see the article. Or just go to Dallas's uh, timeline. You got, man. you got the. Hey, yeah, go to Dallas's timeline. But seriously, there's you, some funny stuff on there's it. There's some funny shit, man. That shit is great. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Straight flourishment, internet. Straight flourishment. I hope y'all become, deserve it. Y'all deserve. You it. deserve a fucking roller. He deserves <laughs> to get hired by Ralph Lauren. Yeah. Well, let's see what that happens. Yeah, yeah, Ralph Lauren. You need a yeah, in uh, the fraud obese, department. A obese model. <laughs> <laughs> Yo. Combat Jack, man, I'm surviving, brother. Surviving what? Man, that building explosion. What building explosion? What you surviving, man? That building explosion up in Harlem. You were there? You was in the building? No, no, I was I was at work in Long Island City, but <laughs> you know how anything happens in New York, man. And my mom calls me up and, and asks me, are you okay? Your mom's in Atlanta. Mom's in Atlanta, but, but I mean, Sandy happens and she's like, are you okay? Okay. Did you have to surfboard to work? Surfboard. Are you okay? Did the building explode so, around so, so, so you? She, but I mean, you know, she don't know. But I, I, what you saying, you survive. I thought the the meaning of a survivor was you had to be in the proximity of that event. True. I mean, I mean, relatively speaking, I was closer to the explosion than somebody in Africa. Come on, man, stop playing. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, but that's crazy, man. A fucking building exploded. Yes. In Harlem, blew the fuck up. That's crazy, Not one, man. But two. Blue the That's fuck up. crazy, man. What's up, Pete? Yo, what's going on, combat? I'm chilling, man. Yo, man, like, what the fuck is going on? And, like, like people are getting run over in, in South by Southwest. Oh, yeah, I seen that die, man. Yo, South by Southwest is fucking popping hard body. Like, I'm really sad that I missed it now. Now that people are dying, come on, stop, that's man. how you know stop. how turned up now, that now, shit now, is. is. Did any like? I just want to know, man. Did, did anybody that we know was anybody hurt, or did there were any reports anybody that we know? I, I feel did. like people that we know seen it, right? That uh, shit is crazy, Pigs man. Pigs like, and Planes su- submitted a, a report, like a little blog posting that he saw it go down. He saw dead people. Ah, uh, come on, man. Real talk. You know man. that sh- I, I I gotta count my blessings, man, because I've never been in a in a car accident, man. Them shit scared the fuck You've out of me. You've never been in a car accident. I've never been in a car accident, man. Wow. I've seen car accidents. Uh, the worst car accident I remember seeing was it was uh right across the street from my from my crib in, on Lincoln Place in Brooklyn, and it was one of my friend's pops was walking in between the car and as he was walking in between a car the car was like maybe three cars from the corner a car hit the car in the corner and it caused this cascade of cars and it trapped him mm. crushed his ankle crushed his knees Ooh, did he so lose he, his legs so listen so he was bent up on the back of the car i can see him like trapped ah! trapped yeah. For about three hours, was he yelling, yelling, passing out, uh. and this was right across the street from my house. So I'm just watching this man as that car, that car is grinding uh. his knee to the gristle meat. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Mm. He kept his legs, but you know he never walked the same. He had that no that, foam that for that him. bounce. You hear mm. how my voice is going from yeah, left that, to right? That bounce. Yeah. He had that bounce, man. You ever been in a car accident? Oh man, listen, I've I've caused car accidents. <laughs> really. <laughs> Listen, when we used to when we used to bang whips, right? We had what we called all world insurance. Okay. If I had to slap him, if I had to pull in the Ooh, car with the me, de- and pulley. I banged my shit up, 
I go get another. I get out of that car and go steal another car. So you so but you've never been in no car accidents that have been like one time on like, the like Grand traumatized Central, you or anything. One time on the Grand Central, I, I I smashed a car so bad. Listen, after dropping this girl off in Rosedale and I, I didn't get to beat and I was pretty I, girl too, because a lot of the pretty girls. Oh, no question, no question. Reside in Rosedale, Rosedale yeah. And, and parents had a had a carpeted basement. What? Like, oh man, I wanted to, I wanted to, I I didn't get nothing with her, no hand job, no no finger bang, nothing. And I'm driving back to Corona, uh, down to Grand Central, man. Daydreaming. I, not even daydreaming, just just hype, man. Right. I mean, 17 years old, man, just hormones, uh, outrageous racing, and uh, I smashed. Uh, into a car and then hit a rail and I Damn. could not get out of the car I was in. Plus, I was in a stolen. Fuck. So how the fuck did you get out? I fucking kicked open the passenger <laughs> side door <laughs> and and ran out the car and then and then basically ran up this fucking hill and walked to the train station at Union Terminal. Wait, wait, so but there were other other people involved in the accident. There was another there was two other cars. Right. There was a car that I hit and then a car that hit the back of my, or the car that I was driving. Was you leaking? Was you bleeding or anything, man? Nah, but I think I, I, I'm again. I'm 17 years old and I'm so hyped that I was probably kind of jammed up or, or, or kind of you know. You don't even know. I don't even. You don't even know. Right, like, right. like you don't even know till you're right. 50. Right. Running right. off of adrenaline. Yeah. How about you, Pete? I've been. It's funny. He, I've been in the same situation, but, but I car? did something different. Yeah, absolutely. But I did something a little bit different. I don't know if Dallas could have did this at that time. I'm always been a scrawny little dude. Uh, maybe a little bigger now, but I'll never. Did you forget. climb out the trunk? No, no. Listen, I never forget. Um, I, I had a stolen car. I had a Delta eighty eight. Remember the Oldsmobile Delta eighty eight? And um, you motherfuckers are car thieves. Yeah. Man. So and that you had to crack the column so and pull the right. teeth back. So uh, that was a little harder than a dent pulley when you pull with the screwdriver and turn on a Nissan Toyota, etc. Anyway, I'm about the cops are chasing me. I'm about like I would say maybe about a half a block ahead of them. And I'm keep on going, and we're going, and I mean, I'm ripping out, I'm hitting things, and I'm moving all over the place. Finally, I knew I couldn't go anymore. I literally jumped out the window. As the car was moving. As the car was moving. And the car crashed into, like, three other cars, and I hid. With, with people? I, yeah, with people, yeah. And Motherfuckers, y'all got that shit on your commas, you know. Banging nah. people up and shit. What do you mean, nah? I mean, nah. I had to what go. What do you mean, nah? I, mean, I had to go. I, I hid in the alleyway for about five hours. Was you banged up? Your, your karma only lasts... For, for 12 years. Stop. 12 months. Stop. Combat. Stop. And if you don't cash it in, Stop. then. You don't even know, Dallas. You're good in your bed. Stop, Dallas Penn. It's, it's over. I, I, I hear what you're saying. It Just a, stop, man. It was a long time ago, yeah. man. I'm a better but man. But were you banged up now. a little yeah, bit? Yeah, I was fucked up. Yeah. I had stitches. That's uh, crazy, man. Car accidents. Man, I hope everybody down at, that, that was down at South by Southwest last week, man, got back safely in the whole nine, man. I'm a little fucked up behind uh, last week's episode, man, with, with Russell Simmons, man. Yo, what happened? Why? He I fucked mean, me up, man. I'm meditating, but he got me saying the word nigga again man <laughs> he got me like because russell, russell was so inspirational yes and so you know what i'm saying enlightened and just yes. made you feel made everybody feel so hopeful for the future mm. that 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 when he broke down that that the word nigga was just some little annoyance his bigger things to mm. focus on in this life i was like that's it right there that's it, nigga. <laughs> so he got me Rum, saying the word again, but he, he set you free, combat. He set me free, man. And it's funny, man, because that same nigga free. that same night I was on Twitter, kind of like quasi arguing with Charlemagne and Roland Martin. And that that next morning after the episode, Charlemagne tweeted, I mean, texted me, was like, "Yo, my brother, King, beloved, you know, we got positive vibrations." <laughs> and I'm like, "Man, nigga, get the fuck out of here with all that positive shit." <laughs> 
fucking with Russell right now. Right, yeah, right, right. Now, nah, but internet. I want to thank y'all, man. That was that was a great episode and 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 the whole now. So, what are we talking about right now, man? You know what, combat? I, I just give me two minutes to explain to some of our listeners. A lot of people don't understand what it means when I tell people that I'm a registered Republican. <sighs> okay, Here we go. Now, do people even give a fuck? Well, I mean, I hope they do. Right. And I hope from what I tell them right now, they'll also register as Republicans also. Now, stop there. Hold on for a second. Okay. Talk it to the mic now. Hold on for a second. Yeah. I have re- changed my voter registration to Republican. No big deal. You don't have to vote as a Republican, but it allows me to take part in the Republican primaries that are held before the general elections. Now, the primary is the most important thing going on. The general elections are, are typically a wrap. But the primary is where you decide who gets to run for that particular party. Now, I would tell you, for 40 years, your parents, maybe even your parents, Pete, have been knee-jerk Democrats. All right? They, they were part of the people that marched on Washington, or maybe your dad fought in Nam, or maybe, you know, your mom... Uh, combat marched. Uh, My mom's an immigrant. She wasn't doing any marching. Mar- maybe she marched in Haiti. No, she was, she was <laughs> maybe Haiti. she marched to the dock to get had, in that tire and to float here. However, whatever. Fucking Republicans. Baby. Whatever. In our in our generation now, it's our time to be active. It's our time to do our march. Mm-hmm. All right. So I'm just telling people you can register you as a marching? Republican, and it doesn't. You that, believe in marching? I believe in being active. Active in what way? Active in 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 how are you active because you're a registered Republican. I'm active because I talk to people about what is right and wrong. I'm like you're doing because, right now, like I'm doing right now. And uh, how is that the affect- combat gesture is, is is part of my activism? And how is that affecting people right now? What I'm hoping it does is it makes people say, you know what? Yo, listen. I don't want to be listen. a knee jerk Democrat. <laughs> the only thing that fucking matters right now in 2014, it's not marches. Mm-hmm. It's not picketing. Mm-hmm. It is some boycotting, but at the end of the day, in 2014, mm-hmm. the only power that counts is economic empowerment. If you're not showing a block of people That's all that ever matters. how to unite mm-hmm. and That's how to all make that ever money matters. and how to turn that money around in that community so people respect your voice and your spending dollar. That's all that counts. This shit about Democrats and Republicans, nobody gives a fuck about that it shit. It starts with one. Well, I tell and you, you know what, what your problem is, Dallas People Penn? need to give a fuck You know about what your it. problem is, man? You remind me of one of them smart niggas, yeah. real smart niggas. Yeah. Real smart niggas okay. that thinks he's smarter than everybody else. Ooh, ooh. Mm-hmm. So now you start concocting all types of cockamamie schemes <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. to get around and over and under. You all no, no, I'm no, smarter no, no. than all these niggas. I don't think I'm so smarter than everybody ass, else. I don't who, who think really I'm doesn't even contribute to the Republican Party. For you to have this notion, uh-huh. you outsmarting your smart ass, dude. No, 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 no. That's no, what no, it is, no, man. No, no, you know no, how no. Dallas Penn gets it? starts with one. You know how we get Internet, it starts with one. Pete, you know how and he then gets, you gotta right? put the S on the how he gets some crazy idea, and then when he executes, everybody's looking at him like, "Yo, what the fuck are you doing?" You know how much money he spent on startups? Forget it. <laughs> Yo, stop that, man. Internet. Stop trying to convince our audience yes. to fuck with that fuckery right now. Internet. You can register. <laughs> you can register Yo, however you want. Up. Listen, we got a question, and then I can't wait to get to our guest. Cheer. This question comes from Jesse Dos Santos. Jesse Dos Santos. Is he the second? Yo, a lot of a lot of Latino listeners. Well, yeah. listen though. This, or at this, least a lot of Latino this, listeners with questions. Or a lot of people with Latino sounding names. Jesse Dos Santos writes in and says, Hey Combat Jack, 
I work in the area of online marketing and live in Berlin, Germany. Yes, you guys have fans in fucking Germany. Yeah. And I'm black. Smiley face. The fuck? Have a question for everybody of you. This is exactly what he says. Have a question for everybody of you. Who has the number one spot in the game out of the younger generation? In which order would you put the following rappers? Drake, Kendrick Lamar, Rick Ross, Mac Lamar, and J. Cole. In my opinion, it is Drake because he has changed the culture with the YOLO shit. It became the youth word of 2012. He does club hits, radio songs, ladies music, is already five years in the game and brings the real rap shit from time to time, 5 a.m. in Toronto. Plus, he sells records like they're for free. To me, he is good in every one of the fields I just mentioned. What makes him very good overall? Here are my top five. Drake, Kendrick. Macklemore, J. Cole, and Rick Ross. Looking forward to your point of view. Cheers. Jesse Dos Santos. Would you like to answer Jesse with his list no, of... No, I don't, Jesse, I don't give a fuck about what yes. you just gave a list for. Here, hold on, hold on. <laughs> How does Jesse Dos Santos, black, living in Germany with a Spanish name... And, I, and he has, I don't give a fuck what he just said because he had Macklemore in the dead center of his list. He lives in Germany. Give him a break, man. I, I mean, listen... Fuck you, Jesse. Jesse, let me answer your question, man. You know what I'm saying? I, I appreciate you asking this question. We've been trying to get our listeners to ask us these questions every week. So thank you for participating. I hear you. I agree with you in terms of this particular list. If we're going to rate people in this particular list, then I agree with you in terms of Drake. Drake is very capable. He's melodic. He knows how to sing songs. You know, he, he's changed the game. And yes, he's, he's bought in that YOLO shit. And, you know, he's a very commercial dude. And he's been doing it for a long time. Five years is very long in rap in the rap game. So I definitely give Drake number one. But if I had a choice, I would actually give Rick Ross number one. Huh. Because contrary to how people feel about Rick Ross or whether he's authentic and this and that, Rick Ross right now is one of my favorite rappers, man. I think he just makes the best music for the time right now. If you go in a club and you hear Rick Ross jam and his voice and this, the simplicity of it all, ah, Rick Ross is that dude. Um, I would give Kendrick a number three. I'm not a fan of his. I hate his little alien voices, and he, he's got little small hobbit hands. My favorite MCs never had small hobbit hands. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I saw him on the cover of Jet Magazine the other day, man, smiling. I was like, yo, man, he looks like his name is Durgens Washington, man. Like, he just looks so corny, man. And I'm sorry. I'm superficial when it comes to my rap guys. Your favorite MCs never had scarf hands. Not no no scarf hands and no hobbit hands. Spit faces. No, no spit faces. <laughs> um, I w oh yeah, number four goes to J Cole. I'm not a big fan of J Cole. J Cole is a fan of Dallas Pants. I've been trying to get J Cole on, but to me, J Cole is boring, man. Like, I, does J Cole move you, Dallas Penn? I mean, J Cole's a uh, uh, Rock Nation debut. Yeah. was fire. Yeah, he found uh, he's a good producer. He found a pop lane. Yeah, for his. Let's see. Let's hear his sophomore album. That's okay. the that's the key, that's the key. to everybody. Now, right. when, now getting back to Rick Ross, Rick Ross knows how to make songs uh. that sound good on the radio, uh. that sound good in a club. Uh. That just he's got a great ear for that, and he's got a good run too. Oh, no question, he's got a good run. He no, would be my number one, and Drake would be my number two. Yeah, Even but though, I, I, I think Drake will Drake, go further. Drake Towers. I mean, Drake is gonna go further. Drake's gonna go further. Yeah. There's I mean, for the Ross, but, hits. Yeah. but yeah, but so I mean, does Rick Ross. All, yeah. But they both make but, hits, but, and they both make great hits together. Thing, and they both both make great hits with Jay Z and everybody else. Yes. But the thing I like about Ross the most is that at his point, you thought he could have gotten knocked down. 
he continued. Oh, right? that's that, that's an important point. I'm very fickle. I'm a very fickle rap fan. Like I'm a very fickle person. If I don't fuck with something, I don't fuck with it mm-hmm. at all for life. Mm. I did not fuck not with fickle. Rick Ross. That's committed. I did not fuck with Rick Ross. And over time, his music convinced me to fuck with him. Mm-hmm. So when you convince me to fuck with you, like you must, you must have done something. You must have some incredible talent. Mm-hmm. Now I know everybody like Rick Ross. Come on, combat. Yeah, man, fuck you if you don't understand this music game. Nah, he, he don't understand that. that he was like fuck you with his whole. You know, he wasn't a drug dealer. Man, who was really a drug Do dealer? Do people still say that shit? All the time, man. First I would fuck with Rick Ross. But yeah, 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 yeah. A CEO. If y'all not fucking with Mastermind, y'all really don't like this hip-hop shit. Y'all really don't like good music. Yeah, I can't believe people still... Get out of your fucking mom's basement. Stop jerking dills to double X and XXXN.com. Yo, man, grow. Live life, man. Yeah, yeah. Get out the house. A CO is more crooked. No, I know inmate. so many correction officers that I used to hang out with in the nineties, <laughs> and all of these motherfuckers had pounds of cocaine. They were the they in were their the crib. Those was the grimiest. I mean, think about Even it. Even the women, I knew the. If, if you're a nope. CEO, you got one foot in the jail. You just an inmate that gets to go home. Yo, listen, I'm not I even like trying that. to be sexist, but one of the ugliest women I know mm. was a CEO, and she was banging all the inmates. <sighs> Coming in as a mule and ran that motherfucker like a plantation. Mm. When are y'all gonna get over this? I think I know her. No, I'm not even gonna mention her name. Listen. So listen, Jesse Dos Santos, that's my I hope we answered your question. Thanks for for, for writing in. And yo, salutes to the black Germans out there, man. Salutes to the black Black Germans Germans worldwide. Listen. I'll tell you one thing, comment. Internet's worldwide. Each week we can answer that question. Yeah. Where do they have to send the email to? They send an email to the combat, ja- well, combatjack at gmail.com. That's my personal email, combatjack at gmail.com. Listen, we got a great guest mm-hmm. in the building mm-hmm. today, man. You know, I've known this woman for, th- damn, like 25 years. But damn. this is the first time I'm really going to have an in-depth conversation with her. And, you know, like, you know about the stories in New York and the movers and the shakers and the puffs and the, jay-z's and the russell simmons but you really don't know like some of these people that were behind them mm-hmm. and orchestrated yes, yes, their yes. our next guest is one of the most important people in the history of new york hip-hop yes indeed. Internet's after this break i can't wait to bring on jo- jessica rosenblum you know jessica rosenblum i've never met jessica rosenblum but i know of jessica yes. i should say i've never met her i mean i've you've seen encountered her, her and, over and, the years but right? i've never you know we've never had a discussion but Without question, when you talk about one of the supreme Teflon button pushers, Teflon and Kingmaker, supreme Kingmaker yes. for New York City hip hop. Mm. I mm. mean, we went through a dry period where in the city there was no place to go mm. for kids mm. to listen to hip hop and get your face slashed, buck fifty up. Not even that. Right. Not even that. Because I'll be honest with you, the scene that she helped kind of create kind of remove that element yes like like you really you really couldn't partake of the scene if if you were in that element and i gotta tell you something from backpack to glam rap like she basically suits she took it from champagne and rolexes she took it from 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 the streets to the corporate suites she did it Mm. she did it she Mm. was the one who got in the door first and then brought in a lot of other heads so it's it's going to be an interesting interesting discussion internet's you're getting ready to get a gem. Yo, Dallas on. Penn tonight, man. No dick riding. No. No dick riding. No, no, no. No, well, in this case, no labia riding. Ah! 
internet. So tune into the Combat Jack Show. The Combat Jack F your radio, F your podcast, F your TV show. Yeah. Internet, be sure to tell a friend to tell a friend. The Combat Jack Show was on iTunes, SoundCloud, all over the internet. Get ready for combat. Just search. Search Google. Look for Combat Jack Show. Search. Listen. It's everywhere. Tell a friend to tell a friend. Rate, subscribe, comment, and keep it pushing. Keep it rocking. It's the Combat Jack Show coming in your ear holes. Internet, you tune into the Combat Jack Show, the CombatJackShow.com with Dallas Penn. Combat Jack. Look who we have in this in this in this building today, man. Miss Jessica Rosenblum. Yay. Yes. Yes. Now, how many times have you gone up to the Velvet Rope and <laughs> I, seen Jessica? One of my favorite experiences was um I, I can't remember the name of the, the, the spot on the west side, but um I had a couple of dollars in my West hand. Side where? Uh I want to say nineteenth, eighteenth or nineteenth. Mr. West, probably. On right right on right before the highway. And I funny came, how that works, West Side and it was the little spot, it was called Mr. West. Little tiny spot, but I came up and I didn't have uh, my shirt buttoned. I, cause I thought I was hot shit. I had some money in my, my pocket. I had a little gold chain. Did you meets hanging out? Uh, <laughs> I wasn't as fat as I was now. I was okay. actually a little more brolic, but, um, <laughs> Jessica was like, man, button your shirt. And I was like, <laughs> Sounds all right. about right. Yeah. So then I buttoned my shirt and then I, I got let in. Jessica. Um, yeah. Hello. Welcome to the Combat Jack Show. Thank you. Happy to be here, I think. No, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm happy you're here. No. You I'm haven't not. aged. Thank you. Mm. What are you doing? Well, I have um, a couple theories about that. Okay. I think that I never smiled in my 30s. Never <laughs> smiled. <laughs> so, I'm glad you said that, Jessica. So I, was, I was a miserable bitch. Right. Okay. And um, I was dealing with a lot of stress and right. a lot of complicated doors. I think that, and um, I think there was a lot of uh, preservation via a lot of consumption of red wine. Mm. So I think these two things helped a lot. Mm. Were you looking- and, and, and I do acknowledge I'm white, and so I don't go in the sun. You don't go in the sun. Yeah. I'm you not, avoid the you know, sun. You know, I'm not like one of the white people who thinks they're black and then is out there like tanning too hard. Right. Like I hate those white people. So you're girls. smart. You're yeah. smart. And then they look orange and then yeah. they look like leather. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that was not the progression for me. Just, I'm glad you said that you never smiled in <laughs> your thirties because I, I always got good vibes from you, <laughs> but I was always fucking intimidated by you because you always had on this scowl. I was scary. People you were scared were, of me. You were very scary. And you also mentioned stress. Yeah. Stress, stress management, right? Stress entertainment. Right. Stress entertainment. Mm. Which cr- came from my nickname. Okay. Because before that, many years before that, I had a different company name. And then for legal reasons, disbanded, whatever, and I had to have a new name and I couldn't, didn't have one. But Andre Harrell had nicknamed me Stressica. Mm. And everybody just called me Stressica. Cause you used to stress Andre Harrell the fuck out? I used to stress everybody out. Okay. No, more on Andre or Puffy's behalf. Right. As I was, you know, protecting, branding, of creating course, of course. their gates or entry or event or what it might be. Um, it's probably Puff who was more stressful. Yeah. Than, now, than Andre now to con- deal with. Congratulations on the relaunch of the tunnel. Yes. Yeah. How's that going? Uh, it's crazy. We've sold out. Um, we're selling tickets online and we've been sold out both times bef- a week in advance. Mm. So then the fun part is as we lead up to that week and there's no tickets available, Flex just goes ham on the radio saying, goes- guest list only, see Jessica, you got to see Jessica. So <laughs> mad motherfuckers are hitting me saying like, what's up with that list? And crazy strangers. So of course I have to go back into old mode mm-hmm. and be like, Act like you know, don't hit me for no guest list if I don't know you, if you're right. not original tunnel, right. like all that shit. Does it feel like the old tunnel? I haven't been yet. 
Well, you got to come to the next one's April 5th. April 5th. Shameless how, plug. Tickets how, are on sale. BB King Blues. How often do you do it? We're now going to do it once a month, the first okay. Saturday of every month. Okay. At BB King's, um, for a year. Right. And then decide. Okay. Um, does it feel like the old tunnel? No, but we're not trying to recreate the right. old tunnel. We're calling it Tunnel 2014. And of course, like one of the things I want to do is extend hospitality and guest list to anybody who's back from the original days or really mm. knew what it is. The thing is, you got to realize the tunnel was actually 20 years ago. 20 so years ago. There are people talk shit when they're like 30, be like, oh, I used to go to the tunnel back. No, <laughs> you, you didn't. Were you were not in there 10. When you were 10. <laughs> yeah. Chiali might have been in there at 14. Right. Beyond that, I know a few people. Shaheem. Yeah. Who maybe snuck in. They were 17. And that's why fucked up now. But, <laughs> but in general, it's funny because people claim stuff. Right. Because they're so, you know, real hip-hop and true. It's like, you can't claim that. You were 10. Stop Don't you it. hate that shit when these upstarts start telling you or try to tell you or try to tell people in your presence what the fuck, quote-unquote, real hip-hop is? Well, yes and no. But on the other hand, everything's relative. Right. So if you're 20 or 25, whatever's real hip-hop to you is real hip-hop right, to that's you. True. It's mm-hmm. not fair to... I hate also the chip on his shoulder and the, like the people who like I hate when somebody comes up to me in a nightclub and starts bemoaning that it's not like the old days right, right. and shit ain't the same but you think I want to talk about this in the middle of a nightclub at one in the morning when I'm having drinks and who wants that shit to be the same the was, tunnel was a scary fucking place well, it was but don't forget that I was in nightlife no, long but be- yes it was the, the tunnel was good times. Oh, it was incredible it was times. times. The energy and what that music and that era was was phenomenal. But there was some scary shit going down. Let's I'll be honest it. with you, Jessica. I never. But you maybe knew the right spot. Well, like, you were one of the like, wolves, Dallas. Brooklyn was here. The Bronx. Like, people knew where they could walk, where they couldn't walk. Like, don't forget that the tunnel was an evolution of a party I started called Mecca. Right. And it started in different locations and moved. And it was tamer. And more mixed and creative in as it progressed and turned. It was into, also more industry, would you, would you say? Initially, yes. 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 Mm-hmm. And don't forget that the very end run of the tunnel was not me. I had right. nothing to do with okay. it. Okay. Okay. So it, the, the whole history is a little complicated and we're bringing back Mecca too, right. by the way. Okay. Nice. April 17th, nice. Highline Ballroom. Okay. Super exciting. I like the Highline. Yeah. Really and that like has that. a more downtown vibe. So right. that's how we were separating them. We'll do the tunnel at BB Kings, go kind of commercial, bring in the masses, go Highline. Uh, be more refined. Mecca, mm-hmm. a little more refined. Not, not super fabulous, like the way it became later with like, you know, the shiny suits and all that, that stuff. What was your first this promotion? Was more downtown. Was it $100,000 bar or payday? Those were not my events. Okay. That was, uh, Patrick Moxie. Patrick Moxie. Went on to have payday. ultra and like insane success. Um, let's see. Very. I associated those with you. No. Because they were downtown. I guess every powerhouse yes. and the building. Oh, the me. building, the building. That was me. Uh, that came, I mean, I first started, I worked at uh, Nels. I was one of the original door people at Nels, and that's how I met everybody. What year was this? Sunday night at Nels? No, no, no. This is long before Sunday night. This okay. is when Nels was the shit all week long. Sunday night at Nels was years later when it was, became sort of like an urban night. Okay. This is way before. This is, I'd say, 86. 86. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Well, right when they open, we're talking super fabulous. Bianca wow. Jagger, Mick yes. Jagger, and yes. So we're Laura talking Hall. like the, 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 the height of New York club life. Beyond, yeah. Right. Well, super, I'd say there was a, a, there was an era before that that was really important, like right. Studio 54, 54 and Xenon and all that right. stuff. And I was crazy as a teenager. Okay. I used to run away. I went to all those. I went to Studio 54 when I was 14 years old. Really? Mm-hmm. Connected. Like in the back office where they were like stuffing cash in the secret compartments. How and were you so connected? <sighs> 
that's a story for another day. We got a lot. We lot can't. Of ground no, it's to a cover. story for right now. <laughs> um, How were you so connected? I had a friend uh, who had another. Friend. <laughs> God, it's not even an ex- interesting story. It was. But to be in Studio Fifty Four, I know. At well, fourteen, at the height of Studio Fifty Four, is a story, and I want to know. It is, and I also kissed Billy Idol. Really? In, in, what, in what year? I'd say like a year or two after. I was probably like 16. Dancing no, no. Billy Idol. I bought his album. That's how hot Billy Idol was. Well, do we really have to do the math? No, 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 no. Because you look like you're 32 yeah. right now. Yeah. So well, anyway, what the, fuck were you doing? what the fuck were you doing in Studio 54? I don't know. I think it's always been in me, the nightlife right. thing. I okay. just wanted to do it. I wanted to be there. I wanted to be in the mix. It and you had exciting. access. Yeah. I, but I always figured out a way. I mean, I became one of the original door people at Nels. Right. At 17. We, well. No, no, no. I was 20 when 20. I started working okay. at Nels. And I wasn't legal because you had to be 21. And at that point, stuff was a little more regulated. And, but not like now. It wasn't a real industry the right. way nightlife was still sort of the Wild West. But it was super glamorous and exclusive. And this was when Nell and Keith McNally owned it. And it was, I met Keith within the first two weeks that they actually opened the doors okay. to the venue. Right. And I just, and it was something about I got you. his attention. I came in for an interview. I talked mad shit. I did all kinds of crazy stuff. Like I had a, a handbag that was a lunchbox. Right. That had like a sort of 50s graphic on it. It was okay. all very downtown. Right, right. Downtown. You, you were downtown. I was very chair. downtown. And I packed crazy things in the lunchbox that I thought would intrigue him. Cocaine. Because I, um, no, <laughs> no. He's like English and very intellectual and okay. clever. And I, Heroin. I, no, I packed a Martin Amos novel that wasn't in print in the States yet. Oh, okay. And I knew that would, Martin Amos Acid. who wrote money later, but this was an earlier With book. heroin inside. Yes. Oh, yes. Okay. okay. You. There you Thank go. You caught me. Thank you. So, um, so there was, was a, a big... hell of a lot of drugs at Nels though. Right. But, of course. Of course. And this I mean, was a big the accomplishment for you. Yeah. I didn't think shit of it. You couldn't tell me. Th- this led into my hip hop days. Okay. But in those days, you couldn't tell me shit. I wasn't impressed with anything I did. I was right. so like, I look back now at stuff I did then. Like, I was crazy. What was driving you? I, I don't know. I think I was, I always wanted more. I didn't really, um, I think I'd done so much right. and I grew up very, in a very sort of sophisticated, uh, way and around a lot of adults and famous people and I traveled all over the what world. What did your parents do? My father ran a very well known, uh, regional theater in Connecticut. Okay. That a lot of very well known actors wanted to act at. It was non-for-profit, so it wasn't a money thing. Right. So I grew up around, you know, I was like having, Thanksgiving with Al Pacino and dinner with Vincent Price. So that makes like a lot of sense. Crazy shit. So, like so, that. so none of this shit mattered to you. No. And I wasn't even going to go to college. I wanted to like run away to Europe. And then I got into Columbia and it was like, shit, I can't really say no. And it was an excuse to come live in New York where I had been living because I'd run away when I was 17 right. and I was in New York. And that was my second round of really hanging out. And that's when I actually first threw a couple parties in New York when I was 17. Okay. And then I had a boyfriend who'd gone to Harvard, graduated, was going to medical school. So I decided it might be a good look if I went home and finished my senior year of high school. Right. Because it was a little embarrassing for him with his like Harvard <laughs> grad friends in med school. And it was like, this is my high school dropout girlfriend. So I went back, but I was in um, a fair amount of trouble because I went to boarding school. Okay. But they couldn't really put anything on me. So they did the worst thing ever. And they suggested to my parents that my parents buy me a car oh. and let me live at home and commute to school. But then my parents were gone every weekend. They went up to they upstate busy. New York. Right. So I had a car and I came into the city every weekend to hang out with, with my... A, with a bad attitude. Yeah. And with my like Harvard grad med school boyfriend. Mm. 
And we, we did crazy shit. We opened an illegal, like, after hours club. Like, we did, you can, there's so many stories. But you were competing so with robots? <laughs> save the robot. They don't I, even know about saving no, the robots. No, I used to go to save the robots right. all the time, right. but it's, we got so many different areas. So skip the, like. So let's get to Nels. So you're at okay. Nels. I'm at Nels. Um, so I go in for this meeting with Keith. Yeah. And he says, um, you know, what could you do? You know, can you, uh, cashier? Can you coach? Uh, whatever. I'm 20, right? 20. Like, you know, this is like the, the, I don't know what it is. The, what do they call it? The, you know, the, the gem of nightlife right. at the time, whatever I can. Crown remember. jewel. Crown jewel. Thank right. you. I'm like that thing up there. Yeah. So yeah, it's the crown jewel. And I'm like, I'm like, Ugh, I have no nightlife experience. <laughs> I'm like, I cannot cashier or coat check. Like, what do you, do? I was like, I can host or I could bartend. Mm. And he's like, well, the host is Nels, since it's Nels. <laughs> and do you have any, bar- meanwhile, they have incredible, I don't know if you remember back in the day, they had incredible Bar- bartenders yes, there. Yeah. And he's like, do you have any bartending experience? I was like, no. And I was like, or I can do the door. He's like, and at that point in time in New York nightlife, the door was the most coveted the job. Most. More than like a manager or anything that made more you money. You had to be a tough motherfucker. You had to be tough, but it was like you had to earn right. your way there. And wasn't that a position that was basically held by men? Yes. Right. Okay. There was a few women and right. it progressed into more okay. women. Um, but there wasn't a lot of women on the scene then. There was Nels and there was, uh, there was Nell and there was, um, uh, Diane Brill. Okay. And a couple other young girls. And I was, um, so I'm talking all this shit and he says, well, you know, I don't really have any of this open. You know, I don't. He's trying to be polite. Right. And he's looking at all the stuff I keep taking out of my bag. And I'm telling him so you're everything. Fucking with him. I'm fucking with him. I'm right. telling him everything that went wrong with the club in the first two weeks that they were open. And I wasn't there. Right. And he's like, how do you know Rudolph did this at the door and this? Like, I have, And how do you know? I always, I don't, I'm always like sort of attuned to what's going on. Okay. I think I'm very good with like current energy right. and, and whatever was the culture at so the time. So you were very aware of your talents at a very young age. But I didn't even know it was a talent. Right. I just was talking smack. Okay. And he, so he says, well, you know, I could, um, I could put you on to, uh, he says, uh, co-check. And I said, no. So I leave you and said I said, no. I said, no. I laughed. <laughs> said, nice, you know, nice meeting him, whatever. I go back home. I think I look, as I recall, right. I looked at my bank account and I think I had about $30. Okay. And, oh, I know there, there's a whole story leading up to this, but the long and short of it is I'd taken a year off from college. I'd gotten a job. Um, a cool job, like in an advertising thing. Right. And I thought that that's what I wanted to do. My boss was a woman. Little, the, the guy, other person who worked in the company was a guy. Little did I know she was sleeping with him. He had a crush on me. I didn't understand any of the dynamics. Of going One on. day I came in 30 minutes late and I got fired. Okay. Mm. So I was ass out hanging out. Didn't really want to tell my parents. Right. And so this was the thing. So I went back. So then it, that's how I ended up having the conversation. Right. Now I was about to, then I took some awful job, like showing apartments ah. for, for some real estate company. Anyway, had $30 in my bank account, called him, called him back and I was like, Oh, Keith, um, you know, I've been thinking about it. And I guess I actually could manage to waitress if you really need uh, me to until you have a door okay. job. Open. Right. So, so I went into waitress and Nels was wild. I mean, you would have Mick Jagger at one table, Bianca Jagger at the next table mm. and they were divorced and not speaking. Mm. And they were sitting at tables next right. to each other. Like, it was on fire. Christy Turlington, Naomi Campbell, like, uh, he, Andy Warhol, Ronaldo Herrera. I mean, I remember the this most is the legendary. This the creme of New York nightlife yes. in the 80s. Yes. And, and, and everyone's moved downtown. Yeah. Yeah. It's not in Midtown any right. longer. It's because before you had Studio and Xenon in Midtown, and then you had, like, the Euro trash places. T- well, Danceteria was before this, and it was downtown. It was 17th downtown, Street. Right. 
Um, but Club A, the Euro trash stuff, regimes, all that stuff was uptown. So there was always a little bit of both. And then, um. But downtown was cutting edge. Downtown was, yeah, now really where it was. And it was the evolution of all these things that had been before Paradise Garage and Madame Rosa's and, um, I don't know. I may get some of my years off, but, and then there were a lot of the warehouse parties and right. the payday and hundred thousand dollar bar and all that sort of stuff all going on concurrently. And it was just as hip hop was sort of starting to seep in down there. So I'm waitressing and, I'm actually a very good waitress because I understand hospitality, right. but I was a terrible waitress because I was basically waiting on people I knew. Right. So it'd be like, what, you want a glass of water? Go get it yourself, motherfucker. Oh, so you were being a bitch. I was, but it was part of the whole theatrics okay. of Nels. So I was dressed to the nines every night. I thought I was uh, Madonna at the time. I had like a short blonde bob and I had a cross in one <laughs> ear and a heart in the other and combat boots and bracelets up my the, wrist. The black and, rubber bands? Yeah, all that stuff. And the spikes and like, you know, I used to hold them... uh the album cover up next to me when I did the ma- my makeup and you know and I like the I was somewhere between punk rock downtown like whatever but, but everybody was in a sense in yes, between yes yes and well and you had it was just it was this energy because it was the mix of people but I didn't right. understand it yet okay. I understood it when I got to the door but as a waitress because I'd been hanging out since I was 16 in different ways whether it was running away for that summer or working or whatever I'd been doing leading up to this I knew a lot of people on right. the scene so I knew all the like sort of um the Europeans and the private school kids and those. Mm. And then the rest of the scene was, uh you know, either famous people, which I wasn't impressed by, right. or downtown people and artsy people. And you Were know, you impressed by the downtown artsy people? Well, I liked them, but right. I knew them already because I started going to area when I was 17. Okay. So I'd met Keith Haring. I'd met this one. I'd met that. I knew all of them. I was cool with them. Like my friend, like my first friends, it was like Stuart who played, uh, you know, sax for Chardet and then this mm. one who worked with, with Keith Haring and this one, like I knew I was part of that downtown. You know, scene. Adolfo and mm-hmm. Keith Haring's like, assistant. Yeah, yeah, of course. And then like, and then like all the Stussy kids and all that, mm. like I was part of the downtown. It wasn't until years later when I was like so tight with Puff that I looked like the super commercial sellout money chick. Right. Mm. My original shit was like, you know, very cool. Very cool and very yeah. organic. Yes. I, I, I felt like you were a backpacker, too, I, at least when I came to, to know about your events. Well, that's only because Talib Kweli and John Forte used to be my interns. But we're not there yet. We're not there yet. But this story is kind of great. This is pretty funny. So one night I'm waitressing. Yeah. Two things happen, and this completes the Nell story and my sort of intro to hip-hop. So one night I'm waitressing. And I got an attitude. But it's like Keith liked the attitude. All the people who worked at Nell's were cast. Like, right. this one was extraordinarily beautiful. This one was super funny. This one was quirky. This one was exotic. Like, everybody sort of had a role, and they played it to the hilt. And it was like theater in there. It was kind of amazing. So one night, I have this table, and I turn around, and it's Russell. Mm-hmm. It's Sal from The Fever. Okay. And their dates. I don't know who Sal's date was. Russell's date was Cassandra. Cassandra. And okay. she had like, you know, the, the ridiculous like braids with the, the, the beads at the end mm-hmm. snapping against mm-hmm. the side. And they're mm-hmm. sitting at the table. And, you know, Nell's, when they first opened, had this very fabulous menu and kitchen that was done by this well-known woman named uh, Rose. I'm blanking on her last name. She's really well-known in London and has right. restaurants and whatever and just was part of their crew. So there was fabulous things like lamb sandwiches mm-hmm. with leeks and this and that. And they had a white pizza mm-hmm. on the menu. So Russell's like, yo, you know, what's this, what's this white pizza? 
And now, did you know who Russell was at the time? Yes, but only to the extent of he was that Run DMC guy. He was the Run that's, DMC that's guy. That's how we described him. And okay. when he came in, everybody was like, that Run DMC guy right. is here. And I was like, I want that table. Right. Because I had a radio show in high school, and I used to play Run DMC right. in 84 in Connecticut. Okay. So that was radical. But that's, again, another story. Too right. many stories. Okay. So I come over to the table, and he's like, you know, what's up with this pizza? And I was like, well, I don't know. I don't. You know, I don't eat cheese, but everybody who orders it always says they really like it and it's really good. He's like, all right, I'll have that, right? And then I take the rest of their orders and I'm stomping off. And again, the makeup, the combat boots, the right. hair, the attitude. The attitude. I'm, 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 you know, 20 years old thinking I'm Madonna, right. right? And he's looking at me like, who's this crazy chick? So, so he's look, he's liking you right now. Something's going on because I think I'm visibly intrigued. Right. And I, and Sal's got the satin jacket on, the fever, the, the, the fever, satin black, jacket. Black and, no. black and gold, it's, black and yellow. I, exactly. Right. It's unbelievable, the whole thing. I mean, you couldn't do it. You couldn't cast it better and put it in a movie. Yeah, they told you it's bullshit. It. Yeah, mm -hmm. exactly. So I come back with the pizza, right? And I put it down. I'm like, you know, carrying it like this. And I put it down. And he calls me back over. He's like, yo, yo, yo. And I'm like, what? And he's like. It's the fucking tomato sauce. You know? And he's like, he's like, this is nothing. Meanwhile, it was a white pizza. It was white, like a it four says, cheese white pizza. It says, motherfucker, it's white pizza. So I just looked at him and I was like, you be illin'? He was like, oh my God, who the fuck are you? I gotta know you. <laughs> and that's how we became friends. Okay. About two weeks later, it was insane in Nels. It was, I mean, wild. Like it was so wild in there. Like it, it, I can't even explain the kind of energy. And Keith, I was waitressing and Keith came and grabbed me off the dance, uh, off the dining room floor. Right. And he was like, you gotta get out to the door. They need help. It's wow. crazy. And he knew I had been waiting for right. the door job. Right. And I was like, it's fucking freezing. I gotta go in the locker room. He's like, no. Who was like, at the door no before? Time. Rudolph there, was at the door? No. He only lasted like the first week or two they were open. He just wasn't a good fit, obviously a nightlife legend, but just not for there. Mm -hmm. It was, um, there was, um, a guy named Simon, a little, sh they were both English, Simon and Michael. Right. Um, and they were, uh, uh, both English and, you know, sort of very different, but very, uh, snappy personalities. And, um, then there was a girl named Krista who later moved to Hollywood and became a reasonably well-known actress, Krista okay. Miller. Okay, wow. And, um, yeah, and we used to work in pairs. Right. But right now, it was still the beginning. They were sorting it out. And Keith is like, you got to get outside now. Because I was like, I got to go get my coat. It's freezing. It's like, and he that. grabbed one of the security guards working inside. Because all the security guards, like, again, like I said, it was very cast. So all the security guards were very good looking. And most of them were black or white. Very right. good looking. Very particular type. Most of them wore big, uh, you know, like classic leather motorcycle right. jackets. So he grabbed one of the security, the jacket off the security guard on the dance floor. He drapes threw it, it on, on me and I went out. So I, from the get, had this like badass look. Now you got, now the, the cipher's complete. Yeah, I had right. the, and then I, that's how I started at the now door. Now what's going on at was, the door though? The door was the craziest door ever. Right. And that's where I realized that the brilliance of Nels was the way we ran the, well, there were two ways we ran the door. The real way was, you know, make a great combination of people. So you need a few rich people, you need a few downtown people, you need some artsy people, you need some models, you need some gay guys, you need, you know, you just mix it's, it up. And right, that's yeah. what made it incredible. Of course, there was the regulars and there were people you would recognize and knew, but this was still in the beginning when everybody got charged to come in. Right. Didn't matter who you were. So Cher came in, she paid $5. $5 on the weekday, $10 on the weekends. Brilliant. Right. They, everybody, until we issued the membership keys a year later or something, at that point, there was no, the question wasn't, could you get comped? Like now, the question, question was, was, could, could you, you get, get in? in? Right, right. And there I was. I stood on this little tiny box, this uh -huh. platform, and pointed at people. Now, you must be high out like of a your fascist. fucking mind. You know, it was so – there was a lot of adrenaline. Right. But I also knew I was really good at creating the mix and understanding okay. who people were, just looking at them. And people right. – 
to this day, I can be somewhere and like at a dinner party or something, people look at me. Oh my God, you're Jessica from Nels. Right. Like in somebody else. And I always wait to hear if I treated them horribly or fantastically. Right. And if I, if they were somebody, cause I would remember people and just like people. I'd like the look of somebody. Like, like Tony and Shaka used to come, but yeah. I didn't know them then. Right. I just championed them. I liked them. I would right. always pick them. Tony always tells a story about how good I made him look to like girls he was hanging out right. with. And then, cause he could walk up and get into Nels. So people have these stories cause I would champion and pick certain people. Cause I, you know, I was like, um, I was, it was like you're my curating. little recipe. I was curating. Yes. Curating and creating. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's kind of how I met everybody because right. every Beastie Boys came, LL came, Lior came to the, and I would be, you know, always at the door. I'd take care of them. I, I could just pick them out. I knew them. I liked them. I liked them. Meaning mix. the hip hop crowd. Yeah. But it was very affi- selective. It was Fab Five Freddy, mm. Lior, Beastie Boys, LL, Dante, Russell, Rick Rubin, and Lisa Cortez mm. and, and Gary. That's literally in my mind. The hip hop Gary Friedman, you're talking no, about. No, um, Gary, oh my God. Doesn't matter. Fred we'll get Russell. Right, yeah. right. But it, these were like, I championed them. I made sure they got in. Right. And that, that was. And did they, and did they add to the environment? Did you 100%, see an instant, right. Of course. How right. could they not? I mean, you know, and as I was sort of encouraging them, their star was rising. Like right. the beast, by the next year, the Beastie Boys were pulling up in their tour bus and coming off the tour bus to come <laughs> in the club. LL and, um, Run DMC and the, they used to come in. They had the phones. You carry the portable phones and you put them on the table and you sit <laughs> there and phone, you just, she was fucking hilarious. And, um, the way I really started meeting everybody is one night I ran in off the door. Like, I don't know. I had to check something or run to the bathroom right. or something. And Leo was posted up by the bar, you know, like this. Oh, and it was, um, Rest in peace. Um, Sean Karazoff was sitting next to him, mm. Captain. And so it was Captain and Dante and Lior. And first of all, they're a hilarious, like, white boy trio. Right. Because you got the, like, crazy tight differences right, right. and, like, the characters and whatever. And they just stopped me. They grabbed my arm and they were, cause they knew I'd let them in every right. night. And Nels was the kind of club in the beginning. It was so amazing. It wasn't like, oh, we go on Wednesdays or Sundays or whatever. You wanted to go every night every of night. the mm-hmm. week. It was, mm-hmm. in, I went every night I didn't work. I worked mm. three or four nights. A week, and I went the other. So you three lived or four. there, basically lived there, hundred percent. Right. Well, I and I lived literally walking distance from the club, nice. and that was my 19th Street. I lived on the club was on 14th, and maybe we went to Florent. Right. And obviously, meatpacking was really different yeah, then. Of course. And that was that was my world, like for those two years or whatever it right. was. But that's how. So they stopped me one day, and they were just like, "Well, who are Leo's? Like, I want to know who you are, you know, kind of thing." And I was like, <laughs> "You know, whatever. I'm the chick at the door. Yeah. Who are you? you I, know? I let like, you in, motherfucker. Yeah. What? And that was really how I was kind right. of talking. They were like, "You're hilarious. Have a drink with us." And so that was that's how I did the door, and that's how I started to meet everybody. Okay. And obviously, I knew Russell from that very first night. Right. And we and he invited me. I went to so many amazing early shows, mm. and like I would see him at like you know payday in the other clubs, and we all always end up at Nell's, and that's how I met. Fab Five Freddy and So you everybody. start moving in this in this basically this crowd and this crowd. Well, I loved the music already. Right. Mm-hmm. But I had no idea who these people were. Re- yeah, or the history or the right. introduction. And I was right. in crazy places doing stuff for Union Square. Like I didn't even understand what I was really right. in the middle of in the beginning. And I think But it was th- an excitement that caught everybody 100%. within the city, within the nightlife scene, and you were at the forefront of this movement in a sense. Definitely. And but at that point, you know, you still it, it, I want to say segregated, but I don't mean color-wise. I mean... Genre. Genre, but not musically. It was more... Okay, if you were uptown or you were Brooklyn or you were the Bronx, you weren't partying downtown. Right. Downtown was its own thing. Downtown Downtown didn't see color. 
Right. Downtown liked hip hop. It liked disco. It liked classic house. Like all that stuff. I, I'm I'm so glad you said that because it's very hard to explain that scene to people that didn't live that didn't live yeah. that now. Mm-hmm. And and when I explain to people that scene back in the day, they you don't know, believe it, it. It was it was so non segregated in terms. Of, like I hung out at the Paradise Garage on Fridays, mm-hmm. and I did hip hop on Saturdays. And there was no like there was no line between punk rock. There was nothing house, weird that you yeah. were doing one or the other. Not, not, not at all. No. And it's funny because fast forward to years later when I was doing really intense like hip hop for right. the masses and that's when I really started to feel the color thing. And mm-hmm. I never understood it because I didn't come from a place. I didn't grow up anywhere where that was. Right. And then when I came to New York. You came from a, from a place of class and privilege, not necessarily color. Right. And and But you also have to understand that I'm really from Woodstock. Right. Mm. And so the hippie. whole vibe there, it's a hippie whole chick. hippie. And it's, just, hippie it's a whole other energy. It's uh-huh. like mm. what people judge or care about is different. And then my parents and the way I grew up, you know, they cared about. You know, the value of like something artistic or the integrity right. the of it arts, or the, the, the arts, culture, you know, so right. it was a whole different thing. So in the beginning, I literally couldn't, I was so naive, I couldn't even understand it. Like first big job I did at a record company, I couldn't understand people hating on me. Mm. I was like, and I certainly didn't grow up sheltered. Right. I grew up very sophisticated, but I was very naive to that sort of hater energy and that sort of mentality right. of like, I'm going to cut you. Kind of I, that I, provincial kind yes. of attitude that people had where... I was like, how could we not be wanting to do the best thing for the project or the artist? Right. Like, oh, you mean this bitch is hating on me? Like, why? Like, <laughs> I didn't get it at all. So how do you move, though, from being um, the, 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 the person at the door to promoting events? I left uh, I left Nels. I got lured away by some Italian guys to open a club, like be the front person. Connected the guys? Um, no, 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 not okay. at all. Yeah. True Italian guys um, who uh, were part of... Um, uh, this um, architectural and design movement okay. and the venue um, embodied that it was called B- Bolidism and the club was called Bolido and I opened it up Bolido. and I was, yeah, mm. and I was the front person okay. for that. In the meantime, my connection to the hip hop scene and through Russell and everybody else was sort of growing and, and my friends and, and whatever. Um, so that was what I was doing in a lot of my spare time. Right. And I mean, the opening night of Bolito was incredible. You had everybody from Keith Haring was there to, um, Duran Duran was mm. there to, I have the photos. I mean, they're right. in, incredible mix of people. But at the same time, I was friends with all these record company people and all this stuff. I did the first stop the violence movement mm. party benefit at Bolito, okay. much to the horror of the owners, right. but I thought it was fucking amazing. Right. Um, and a couple other things. I had a falling Were out. Were they asking you, why are you bringing all these black people here? A little bit, yeah. They, they don't speak like that. Italians don't speak like right. that. Right. But <laughs> a little bit, yeah. And um, I just had a lot of disagreements with them. And it, well, we, I had the coolest stuff. I mean, like the, the staff, there was a restaurant there and the staff was um, had custom-made outfits. I was friends with Isaiah, who was a big black designer at the time and sort of ahead of the curve. He later, um, so many people from back then who passed away. I know, but, right? It's crazy. Um, but he did all the, the outfits for the waitresses and I cast all the girls. I mean, it was hot. It was just so ahead of the curve. Right. It was ahead of its moment. Had a falling out with them, left. They found a loophole in like that I'd never actually signed my contract with them, whatever. So you weren't really part of them. I mean, the- First experience of that sort of nasty backlash mm. got written about in the paper like I'd been kicked to the curb right. by the owners, all that kind of crap. I literally had no money and had no job. Right. So you're living this fast life. Yeah. And now you're, now you're starting to make Fucking the newspaper, page yeah, six. Yeah. Uh, I think it was more like paper magazine, oh, paper, oh, paper, magazine oh, paper magazine and maybe okay. the column and like Michael Musto yeah, yeah. and Village mm, Voice okay. and that mm. kind of stuff. And then um, 
So I took a receptionist job uh. at um, Hal Rubenstein did it started up a, ma- a short lived but incredible magazine called Egg. I remember Egg. And I was the receptionist. Okay. I mean, just I just didn't know what to do. Right. So I'm answering the phones, and one day they call me and they say, um, "Andre Harrell's on the phone for you." And I was, I was like, "Hey, Dre, what's up?" And he was like, um, "And I had famously dissed Andre many times How'd- at." Nels. Why would you disagree? Because he wore the worst shoes ever. Uh, he wore these like. He wasn't sub- chubby then. He was a little chubby. A little chubby. But he was not cool. Like right. Russell was cool. He wasn't cool. Right. He was suburban and Jersey. So he would get in when and he now, was with Russell. Did you know that, that, that Andre before Andre that life was to, a great rapper? Well, this is, he used to come to the door and he'd say, Jessica, I've met you before. I'm friends with Russell Simmons. I've just started this new label, Uptown. this record company. Right. It's called Uptown. I have this artist called Heavy D. Da, da, da. And I was friends with, um, who is Jekyll and Hyde? Who is the other one? Tall. Uh, uh, you know who I mean. Uh, Andre and, and fuck, I can't think of. Oh my god, I can see his face. His partner. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, but yeah. I used to leave Dre standing on the curb all the time at Nell's in the beginning, right? Because he'd always give me the strap, but you're like, but yo, your shoes are horrible. You gotta <laughs> fix your shoe game. Like that's how. Well, I was, what kind I of shoes was he wearing? Like brown leather, like some kind of like what not. Not super cheap. Ghetto. No more like poor no, it was suburban. Like like you know what that like that um looked like it's the poured rubber sole, the wedge sole. Not, not wedge. like Clark's. Almost. Almost like a crepe. Like a crepe. Yes, yes. Like, like a crepe. crepe. I mean, listen, we're really pushing he pro- the he memory probably had on, He probably had on British walkers. And he probably thought in he was, Harlem he was the shit. shit. Could be, but I was mm-hmm. pretty good at peeping, even if it wasn't a style. I, if somebody was in style for mm-hmm. whatever style Andre's they were doing. Andre's shoe game was not popping. It was mm-hmm. not popping. I even talked about it in an interview in the New York Times. <laughs> right. It was like, she was so crazy. Right. It escalated then. Anyway, so overall, my dissing of him. Which is great, and it's brilliant, because now Andre, psychologically, is trying to find favor with you. Yeah. Yes. But we really became friends. Because right. first of all, I mean, Andre is so charming and yeah, fun. Course. And, you know, and, and he was and so brilliant. excited about everything right. back then, you know, and it was before he became super smooth. So right. he was still practicing his pitch. You know how Dre always got his R&B pitch about anything and everything. Right. Don't mm-hmm. matter if he's talking to you about a flavor of butter. Of course. Or the shoes or whatever. He's, <laughs> he's, he's, he's got that enthusiasm. He's, yeah, it's sales. So, so he calls you. So he calls me. Here I am broke as the receptionist, but I'm like... I'm still considered so fabulous and I'm always in like the magazines like, you know, wearing stuff in W or this details. So I can't go take like a waitress job somewhere now, even right. though that's how it started. So at least the reception job, nobody really saw me. Right. So Dre calls me. He says, Yo. Which is a great place to lick your wounds. Yeah. And right. plus it was like a pretty cool environment right. and whatever. So Andre calls me and he starts talking. He's like, yo, he's like, I am got the first artist on a major label to go platinum. He's like, heavy D1 platinum and MCA's acknowledging it. He's like, I want to throw a fucking crazy party. And mm-hmm. he starts breaking down the type of party he wants. And, and you're like, this is nice. I was like, okay. No, but he's saying crazy stuff. Right. And I'm in my head kind of calculating. And I don't really know how I know this, like, because I'm not this, what you, I you do, but I'm very before. like logical right. and practical and I can visualize and whatever. So I started saying, I was like, well, Andre, this is a really expensive party you're talking right. about. Now, is he at the same time as he's talking to you? Is he? Has he given you any indication that he wants you to? Yeah. Okay. He's calling me saying, I want to do this. Right. You can help me do this. Right. I don't know why or how he thought, but I guess because I had championed them all at Nell's. Right. And to at the time, I was- You had been at these successful places, at these hot places where everybody wanted to be in. Yes, but I think that I was also their only cool downtown girl they knew. Right, okay. Mm-hmm. And they, Dre was very clever. He could always see. He could see ahead. Right. So he could see that- like, yeah, I'd been successful, but more that maybe I was the person who could access right. 
things, I think. Um, because if they'd gone anywhere at the time, now, of course, people would, you know, kiss their ass right. to be there. But of at course. the time, um, so I'm like, but Dre, this is, you know, wide eyed, like, you this know, is going to cost. This is a really bad, this is like a $30,000 party. He's like, yeah, that's what I was figuring. We're going to spend 30 grand. Now, 30 grand in 1989 on for a, a rapper for a platinum party was like, whoa, like, like half a million dollars. Yeah, crazy. Right. So long story short, I started working. And you had putting, a budget for 30,000. Yeah. And, uh, you had the green light. I got the green light right. and I started putting this thing together. Were you close to going over budget or? No, I think I stayed within okay, budget nice. because don't forget that I knew everybody. Right. Where did In, you, where was the venue you used? Uh, at the time it was called Cafe Society. It then, um, evolved into a bunch of different places. Most recently it was called Crimson. It's the place on the corner of 21st and Broadway. Okay. That used to be bigger, and now it's smaller, and right. now it's closed. On the corner. Yes. Right on the corner. Yes, it's been a thousand things. Yes, yes, so, yes, exactly. so, so you But at the time, it was Cafe Society with the pink neon lights on the inside and everything. But that's almost the lesser part of the story. The bigger part was that I spent months working on this, putting this together. It wasn't right. like now when I... He gave you a heads up. He gave me a heads up, but it was... It was like pulling teeth to get people at the record company to cooperate, to understand what we were doing. How so? to give like, me a- cooperate with what? I would be up there and like, okay, you need to uh, invite all the editors of all the, you know, rap publications that write about him. And this is MCA giving yes. you. Yes. Right. Well, or this is me and Dre coming up with the idea of what, who do we need to invite to make this hot? What's right. important? Okay. Jessica, talk the guy, people, you know, the women in publicity. Well, the women in publicity were bitches. Right. Mm-hmm. And who the fuck are you? But they didn't want to give me any information. Right. They would do stuff like write names and use a black Sharpie and mark like <laughs> the address off and say, well, we've mailed the invite. Uh, and so I couldn't have any, you know, they didn't want me to build lists or the anything. Internet, so oh, it was way all before. brick and mortar and yeah. you had to so wait for it. So just the whole process of designing the invite, of coming up with the copy of it, deciding who was DJing, like everything, like. And it, during that process of me going up to the label two or three times a week is how history was made. I got a phone call one day and so I'd been working on this now for a couple of weeks and I knew Hev and I knew the boys and like everybody, I was cool with everybody on the Uptown side. It was the MCA side that was right. horrible, right. but this is when Uptown was still inside MCA. It was 755 yeah. Broadway. They had not separated yet. And was, 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 was Uptown still in Brooklyn or had they moved to, they were, they were, they had offices at MCA. Okay. Right. And, so one day I get this phone call and I'm like, hello. And I literally can't understand what the person's saying on the other line. It boils down to this is Tuffy, Andre Harrell's new intern. Uh-huh. And he's asked me to call you. Mumbling. And, he's and mumbling. I think his name's Tuffy. Right. And, and he's asked me to call you and see if I can help you with anything or run any errands. I'm here X days a week. I was like, yeah, that's okay, right, whatever. Right. Hung up the phone. Take that, take that. I go, I go up, <laughs> I go up to the, um, offices again for whatever. And then it's like, this guy's tapping on there like, what? And he's like, excuse me. He's like, it's such an honor to meet you. I've heard so much about you. So humble. So nice. So humble, right? So humble. Can I do anything for you? Whatever. Uh, I was like, listen, Tuffy, I don't need any help right now. I'm uh, good. I got this. <laughs> This went on, I think I called him like Tuffy for at least two weeks. And he, he, he didn't, he didn't correct you at all. Well, he might have, but I still couldn't have understood him. Right. Cause he mumbled. But, but even then, he had, was the magic master manipulator. Mm. I don't know how somewhere between two and four weeks in the, down the line, the intern was now my buddy and had convinced me to throw a downtown party with him. As you're planning. As I'm planning Heavy Beast right. Platinum Party, and he's talking me into throwing a party. And what is he telling you? I, I don't even, I can't remember. I don't know. He's like, 
Voodoo. Yes, voodoo. <laughs> Puff voodoo. Puff voodoo. You gotta understand, he was still at Howard. He'd never thrown a party in New York. There was one, I had thrown parties for years. Right. Like at this point, I'm probably like, I don't know what, like 20 something. Whatever. Right? Whatever. Whatever. But the point is, my first, first downtown parties had, my first downtown parties had been like when I was 17 before right. I even, so I'd done all kinds of stuff. Plus I'd worked at Nell's. Plus I'd, what? Why Who's this how? unknown dude? I don't know. The next thing I know, I could show you the invitations. It's like did he put something in your fucking drink? <laughs> dude, we did a dinner. I mean, we did the craziest shit. Right, and we there we were off and running, throwing parties. What together. was his swag like back then? Well, he was really funny looking. Hmm. Um, but he you know, he was he was so excited for it and he was so driven and you, so it made him you know you, the energy made it charismatic you nailed it on the head because i remember back in that in the, in those days and his lip when i started working in the industry i didn't know who puffy was nobody really knew who puffy was mm. but one or two people were like yo um puffy told me and and i was like what a stupid fucking name <laughs> puffy this and who's who the fuck is? it became annoying hearing about this mm-hmm. puffy until you started seeing he him. He was relentless. Right. If he wanted something or wanted to know about something, I mean, his hunger, his drive, he was relentless. Right. And I used to bring him down. I was his downtown connect. Right. Like, yo, he called me, yo, take me downtown. I want to see that downtown freaky right. shit, the clubs, the cool shit. I'd be like, you got to fix your sunglass game. Your sunglasses are cheap. You got to fix your teeth game, you dude. Do you fix your jaw game at yeah. the time. It was like, oh, the lip was hanging out. and stuff. But he had something. But people were always something. like, who is this guy? Why yeah. are you bringing him around? We would bring him like to crazy to, to the type of thing, you know, to the paydays and the $100,000 and Milky Way and like all Milky this kind Way. of stuff. You know, he wanted to see everything. He was so, he had such a hunger for right, everything. Right. He was so excited and, for everything. And he had access. And he thought that he could learn from me. Right. He used mm-hmm. to ask me a million questions about anything. Because to them, to Andre and Puffy and those guys at the, and even Russell at the time, I was the one, I knew about that downtown well, shit. It was a different world. I knew about that art shit. I knew right. about Europe. I, I'd been to Ibiza right. already. Right. I went to Ibiza when I was 17. I went to mm. Paris, you know, like, so they were like, they just loved sucking information from me, but I loved hanging out with them because I didn't like the fu- the stupid rich white people that were right. hanging out uptown. That was so tired And the, the downtown time. artsy people, it was all mixed up. So I'm simplifying, but you get my point. So did you throw Daddy's House before you threw the, the, the heavy D party? Or? No. Daddy's House, the first Daddy's House was 1990. I only know my dates because I have all my invites archived right. in okay. them. Okay. Nice. So, so, nice. So, so, the, so, so let's get back to heavy D. Can but Puff and I did do some downtown parties. Right. We did a party at Nell's with Dougie Fresh, and we did some something else. Then came Heavy's party. Heavy's party was in November of 1989. Right. And, and it, it was, was a success. Unbelievable. Crazy. It was mind-boggling, right. really. So in a sense, hip-hop had arrived in the downtown scene. In terms hip-hop of like- had arrived downtown, but now it was industry. here- The industry. The industry was here. industry. Now, I would say to downtown business, mm. hip-hop had arrived because- all of a sudden, we came with a, a bank book. Right. Saying, mm-hmm. we're going to spend money on So it was party. respected. Yes. Well, also, now, let me tell you about the time that you're also talking about. Uh, Latin Quarter is, is shuttered at mm-hmm. this time. Union Square is shuttered at this time. So hip-hop really doesn't have a home. They don't have access. Yeah, they don't, they don't, have, they don't have a home now. So yeah. they're really, it's scattered. I mean, there was a place called the Uptown Garage. I don't know if Puffy ever took you there. Mm-mm. On 126th Street in, in a funky, but hip-hop didn't have any place to be it didn't have a home it didn't, it didn't have, have a, home. a home it didn't have, it couldn't get into a building it couldn't it, it didn't have any place and and, and 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 from my perspective it's like i didn't want to hang out anywhere right i wanted to hang out where i felt 
No other motherfucker that knew me knew about this spot. Mm-hmm. Well, that was a lot of, I think, the, the downtown mentality right. of parties and cool stuff. Like, it was secret. We protected our information. You right. didn't, like, now in this day and age with, Everything from Instagram and and the internet and and Twitter and all that. There's no it's so transparent. Everything's transparent. There's no filter. There's no protection. Nothing's sacred. Right. Nothing's sacred. So you know and but that happened in many different worlds at the same time. At the same time that like whatever in let's say I don't know whatever year it was late 90s early 2000 when like horrible wall street guys could buy tables in the coolest clubs because it was real estate and now you could purchase it with money instead of cool right. points right. when 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 you know area so, so was bottle open. service killed the club killed the Did, downtown scene but again it goes back to this thing of you can't bemoan that it's not what it was mm-hmm. right because when i used to go to area when i was 17 it was the most incredible place and the reason was okay people made an effort People don't make an effort anymore. Mm, people people expect. Like, every single person in there did something interesting and was creative, and the club did these incredible art installations, and the door was so elaborate, and people dressed up in costumes, and everything's so sort of homogenous right, now. Right, it's right. like, dress this way, have this bag, do this, spend this money, have this level of success. This is what we all strive for. Back then in downtown, that's not what, that was not the goal. You didn't have goal. to have money to be the cool. The goal was not to have the money. The goal was to be original. Yes. To be different. Yeah. yeah. But but New York City itself is is kind of homogenizing. I mean, now yeah, you, you, sure. Is New York City Vegas? Is New York City DC? No, it, it's it's kind of like backfired on it in terms of nightlife because the funny thing is that nightlife now, Vegas and Miami are so ahead of New York in terms of money mm-hmm. for nightlife. Right. But it's all sort of the same blueprint now. Right. You know, it's the bottle buyers and the sparklers. You know, all the shit that Flex talks shit about. Yeah. With the tunnel. So all this stuff that we're talking about comes around right. full circle. But I, I bring up the Wall Street guys buying tables to say that in all the different worlds, like the hip hop people can say, oh, it's not like it used to be. But guess what? There's seven other scenes and people who are still around. If they were back, they were around back then. They also can say it's not like it right. used to exactly. be. Exactly. Because there were all these different worlds and clubs and scenes. That existed that existed, no longer exist. Right? And they were sort of parallel. And the interesting thing, and part of it I like. Right. I like, you know, any art form that's underground that it wants to achieve success when it achieves success inevitably will be accused of selling out of course mm-hmm. it's, right. you can't as- yeah. avoid it yeah. but part of me loves the fact that hip-hop is now pop mainstream, music right. it's mainstream so it's pop music right. it's the music of america it's not black or white or, or or urban or not like you know i don't care you can be in a cow field in iowa like and you're listening to some type of hip-hop right but they're not thinking like oh i'm listening to it you know back then it was like it was safe. Yeah, you, you found it. No, no. But, well, back then you were listening to, to, to some underground You were making shit. pause tapes on BLS with yeah, Clark exactly. Kent. Like, yeah, exactly. On, you know, and Marley and stuff. So, so Jessica, you walk away from this Heavy D uh, album party now working with Puffy. Yes? Uh, Not working with, having a relationship Having a with, relationship We were definitely with friends. Right. And he was definitely working me. Right. Mm-hmm. And I didn't even realize it. And I didn't care because I was like... I was doing my thing and I realized that the parties with the budget and whatever was a real business right. and I would continue to get hired and I did. And labels started calling you and hiring. Nonstop. Nonstop. I named the legendary rapper. I did their either their album release party, their gold party, their platinum party. Did you do the third base album release party? Yes, I party? did. The, the Cactus album. Yes, I did. At that did that I was do one the of my PMD party. Did I do I mean you named the artist? Right. Yes. But mm-hmm. yeah. That, that was everybody one of my has favorite. One of that was first of all, that was one of my favorite um, album release parties because that was my first album release party mm. 
And it was the last time I had a conversation with Keith Haring. Because I remember he was in the spot and he was just real cool. And right. we all knew he had AIDS and, yeah. and he passed a couple of months ago. So so you so so you you're doing Daddy's house at the same time. You kind of no. like no Daddy's house doesn't later on. Okay, starts a little bit later. Right, okay. Um. Uh. So yeah, because because Daddy's house really starts like ninety one. Ninety one. Um. We did Puff and I did do a party together in the red zone in nineteen ninety. Right. It was a one off. I one remember off. it was this green paper invite that I made at Kinko's. It was awful looking. Um, <laughs> Kinko's though. Kinko's. Oh my God. I used to get Kinko's, Kinko's so though. Kinko's queen, huh? Yeah. Oh my God. And that's, and then as it grew and then there were all the different downtown parties and right. you would see all the promoters and Kinko's lined up <laughs> on a Friday night going to get their stuff. It was funny as shit. Now, now I want to go back to, yeah. to, 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 you know, to that first bump. Okay. That you had. Well, the first bump that we all knew about, which was the event at CCNY. Yeah, we can. But timeline wise, we're weird right now. Okay. So, so, need me so, to, I need so to lead, explain daddy's yeah, house. Let's first. go. So Puff started uh, bugging me um, to do a weekly party with right. him. So we'd done a couple one-offs and special big events, and I was still doing all my and it was special successful. events. Everything was super successful. Right. And he was bugging me to do a weekly, and I kind of said I didn't want to, and he wanted to do Red Zone, and I did this one thing with him, and then he just, you know, and he, his gears were clicking, and he was like, you know, I want, so I finally agreed because he couldn't get the deal at the club without me. So right. I went and got the deal. I knew the owners and, um. And you're doing it reluctantly or like just leave it reluctantly. I just, it definitely took a little convincing, okay. I think, on his part. Right. Because I was busy and I had my downtown stuff and, right. and it was my stuff and I did it on my own and right. I never had a partner. And, um, and then he said, Oh, let's call the party daddy's house. Mm. It was like, Oh, somehow you, you, he, and this is what he would do. He talked me into, being partners, and then he talked me into letting it be named he after him. He manipulates you into doing everything he wanted to do. Yes, but nonetheless, it wasn't bad for me. Right. We had it through an incredible party. We did Naughty by Nature's first performance. Mm. We did Cypress Hill's first performance. Wow. This is really how my relationship with Flex became cemented. Right. Like, many, many great things came out of Daddy's house. Right. So you can't knock it. And, I mean, people who used to go there have epic stories yes. about who was there. And there was, you know, an upstairs and a downstairs. The upstairs was a VIP and it had um, a kitchen that was open. And it used to get so wild in there that after a certain hour, I everybody, like, from Puff to the owners to the DJs, I had to stay upstairs. Like, I wasn't even allowed, like, in the party. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it was it was fucking crazy. Those were the days of everybody wearing, like, sweatsuits with one leg up. And yep. It was yep. like, you know, and Mount <laughs> Vernon was in there hard and, like, whatever. I had learned a whole other thing. And that's how I really met Flex. Mm. Because it, I used to stand out by the door in the beginning of the night when it was quiet. And... Flex would come up to the ropes, and he'd be like, you know, my name's Funkmaster Flex. I work with Chuck Chillout. Can I, I was like, I don't I, know. I was just going to ask you, your first DJ for Daddy's House was Chuck Chillout, wasn't it? Uh, no, it was um, uh, Kid, Capri. Kid Capri and Red Alert and Clark. And we DJ used to Clark use, Kent. And we used to use, not Clark so much there. And then right. we used to use, a, um, what was his name? Triple, triple, triple H? Triple, triple something. He's not around anymore. I don't know why. Triple happened. don't matter right now. Yeah, but he's on all the invites from okay. back then. Right. Um. And, and I had Q-Tip DJ one time. I had all- Back co- then? Yeah, which wow. is crazy. And I don't remember it, but Q-Tip told Flex the story and they both talked about it. We talked about it. Um, anyway, so many stories and so much stuff. Sometimes I really have to look at the invites to lay it out. So, to so like, Flex is, Flex is coming. So at Flex you. keeps coming to the door. The humble game again. Kind of humble, but kind of like, and I'm just like, He's just not appealing to right. me. Like, I don't like you right now. I was like, I would leave him out at the ropes. I'd be like, I don't know. I'd leave another the door. one. Go, right? 
but very different scene than Nels. Right. You gotta think Nels was fabulous, and here I am like, hood. Right. This shit is super hood. And I'm, but my downtown friends used to come. We right. loved it. Like, it was so exciting in there. It was crazy. Right. Until there was a fight. And then that was the whole room would move one way and then the other way. It was like crazy. I taught all the little downtown girls, like, you don't run with the fight. You stand flat against the wall and just let it pass. There you go. Same thing you do in a shootout. Don't ask me how the fuck I knew all this shit. You just know. I don't know. How, I don't I know how the fuck did you know all this shit? I was just built for this shit. I don't know what built. to tell you. She's built this for like this. crazy. And, and, and then right after the, the, the fight cleared, everyone would get back to dancing. Fill, fill that space up again. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So one night, Flex comes up to the door. I, 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 to this day, and you can ask him, you can ask me, we've rehashed it. We have, I have no idea what changed in my head. Right. He came up to the door and he's like, Oh, Jessica, I don't know if you remember me. I was like, Yes, I do. You are Funkmaster Flex. <laughs> and he's like, You know, um, I really want to talk to you. I said, Yeah, I'm going to take you to lunch this week. He was like, You are? What? I made him. That? I have no idea. Right. Took, took him to lunch to Jerry's on Prince Street. Mm-hmm. He looked beyond confused being in Soho mm-hmm. because while Puff could figure out downtown, Downtown flex was, was not a flex. No, nah, flex was not cut out. For I that. took him to lunch and I told him, I swear to God, I told him I'm going to make you the most famous hip hop DJ in America. Why? What was it? To this day, was this I a do fucking experiment? I don't know. I just, I was, like I said, I was like, I was just crazy. Like shit just happened to me right. and I would just go with it and go do with it. it. I, I could so never recommend my trust- career path right. to anybody else ever. Well, well you should because clear. you should because you were trusting your instinct. I guess so, but right. it was also sort of, you know, if you're, maybe if you're in the beginning in, of a movement, of a time, of an era, it works. But you know, like promoters come up to me now and they're like, I really want to become a promoter. I'm like, why? Promoting sucks now. Right. You get $200 to host a table, $10 a head, like, you know, it's totally different from back then, but I don't know. It's anyway. So, it's so funny. I've spoken to so many DJs, so many known DJs, mm-hmm. particularly in the, in the nineties. And they would all say, like a lot of them would say, you know what? I'm better than Flex. I'm more accomplished than mm-hmm. Flex. Flex doesn't have anything on me. The only fucking thing that Flex has, the only reason why he's winning is Jessica. Mm. You know, I've heard this many times yeah. before, but the one thing that you take away from him in a sentence like that, and of course these DJs would take it away from right. him, was his hunger and his drive right. and his work ethic. So, yeah, like people used to come to me all the time, artists and DJs. Yo, I want you to do for me what you did for Puff. I want you to do for me what you did for Flex. Well, it doesn't work that way. Right. Like we had, in, a, as it happened, these two really important people in hip hop, I had incredible chemistry with, and they had a drive and a work ethic that was insane. I did not remotely hand anything to them in the silver platter. They in fact, it. it's really the reverse. Right. They handed me the content and the good. And you steered it. And I just helped. Right. Really. You know, and again, we had a great chemistry. I mean, for the seven years that I managed Flex, I mean, our management was intense. We probably talked, you know, 15 times a day, like right. at any hour, any time an idea came in our head. If there was something, if somebody was beating or winning him, winning over him and whatever it was, a ratings, a club, whatever, he would think, he would make a plan. He would put so much effort into it. And, you know, I was there to assist, but by no means did I give this to him. I'm still curious as to why you fucking took him to lunch. Like, what did you fucking see? I was just charged back then. Like I was like I just thought like Did I'm you the feel shit. you were a star maker in a sense? Like not I could yet. take this motherfucker no. who's not a downtown dude and make him a fucking star. Yeah, why why did why did why did you choose Flex? Why I, why not Capri? Why not He Clark? didn't come to me. Right. He didn't ask me. Right. Mm. Many years later, I think Clark and I had a couple of discussions about management, but at that point it didn't make sense. Right. I think that I I have always been very susceptible susceptible to 
Like, okay, this is a really bad example, but sometimes somebody will be like, well, why did you date that guy? Well, he asked me out. I don't know, you know? Like, I, it was that simple. It what? was kind, it kind what? of. What? Dallas Penn, you fucked up. I, big time. <laughs> big time. When I buttoned my shirt, I should have been like, hey, can we. Uh... You should have been like, no, look at this shit. <laughs> I don't know. To this day, I don't have the answer. Right. I don't have the answer. And, um, and, but it certainly started, you know, history. And, wait, you only worked with him for seven years as his manager. Mm-hmm. And you, like, name some of the accomplishments you did. Because you guys I mean, broke through so many walls. I mean, one of the things, obviously, you know, there's so many club stories right. and then travel and international stuff. But really doing the deal with Loud mm. and doing the, the mixtapes. Right. They were the first commercial licensed cleared mixtapes. I mean, you look at all the first, the, I'm executive producer. Right. On them, um, I think that that was uh, that was really big because it it was it opened the doors for things like you know all these years later Khaled and his success and all right. these other DJs and their stuff and you know because there was the street game and you had like people like Clue and stuff and doing the you know and K Slay or whoever did the all the mixtapes and getting the records first. Right, right. But what we did by making it like commercial and palatable and legal accessible was a whole different thing right 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 um and not at the time he was a terrible producer but he still had some tracks on there he produced and then we had music from other people it was it was the blueprint for what's now done that's incredible right Mm -hmm. and all the while now like when Khaled does it it's phenomenal phenomenal artists and records and and energy and whatever it is but i the concept and listen before i managed a crew of djs the concept didn't exist Mm -hmm. for a dj management company in hip-hop and then they were like Right, everyone was a kind of a lone lone wolf kind of. Yeah, it just didn't even occur to people to have managers, really. Like, your homeboy looked after your shit or something. The Flip Squad was, you know, revolutionary. Was Flex the first person you managed? As a DJ, yes. Yes. Who else were you managing at the time? Again, I'm really bad with the timeline. At probably the peak of the Flip Squad, it included Bismarcky, wow. Doo-Wop, mm. Enough. Uh, Mark Ronson was an honorary Mark member. Mark Ronson. Jusky. Mm. Um... I'm gonna. I'm forgetting somebody. That big cap, big of cap, course. Right. My God, he made up the name Flip Squad. Um, I mean, that was the height of Stress Entertainment and right. Flip Squad. It was those two logos, and that's right, that right. was on everything. That was on every invite, everything ever. So you're anywhere. not sleeping right now. You're managing. You're you're promoting parties. Mm-hmm. You're not sleeping. We're talking about this. We just right. talked about this whole period. Right. No, I I was I loved what I did. Right. But I will tell you that it never slowed down enough for me to stop and really have any perspective and sort of rein it in and maybe be smarter as a business person for a long-term perspective. What were some of the mistakes you were making? Well, I think that the equity was always in me rather than the business. Mm. And I could have really built out a proper company and, you know, had and delegated and... But it also like I kind of hated it. In terms it. of like a brand, like yeah. like people say brands. Yeah, I mean it was a brand, but it, it you know it could have had investors, it could have had more proper business, right. it could have had more staff that did more bookings. You look at the DJ companies now, and the, they're really they say they're managers, they're not, they're booking agencies, right. but they make a fortune. And the, and it's funny in the same way that Flex made the blueprint for the albums, I made the blueprint for the four AMs and the scams and the DGIs and all that mm. stuff. Their business is is made on a a template that I created, right. you know, but again, I, it's, it, and it's kind of classic. If you look at very early rappers and stuff, usually if you're at the very beginning of something brand new, you're not the people who have the huge success. No, not at all. It's you're the usually pioneer. the next generation. Right. You're, yeah, the pioneer. The pioneer. you're the pioneer. So don't be the, I always talk about how I don't want to be the pioneer. <laughs> I don't ever want to be the pioneer. Right. I just so, had no idea I was. One. Right. Right. You know, and I was also very, um, I was a little irresponsible. I'd say, you know, like I was just on fire. I, would, I mean, money, when money's falling out, 
Money was falling out of trees. Right. You got to understand, this is before there were sponsors right. and 360 deals and brands and all that shit. The record companies were writing me And checks. you're the fucking go-to. 100 grand. What's the stupid shit you're doing with the money? Shopping, just dumb, dumb shit. What's the dumbest shit you, what's the dumbest what did you rapper put fur shit? On? What's the dumbest rapper shit you did, Justin? What did you put gold on? I really never did that <laughs> kind of shit. I just, I mean, I, I just live really nicely. Right. But what? not on some like, like what I considered nice, right. you know, like, did you take a bath in champagne? <laughs> 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 no, I, I really did. I wasn't really that wild. It's right. kind of crazy. It's also, the other thing I will say is it has never, ever, ever been the amount of money that people have thought it is. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, if I made a tenth of what people say I have made over the years, I would not be around or doing this shit anymore. Are you kidding You'd me? You'd be in Ibiza right now. Uh, yes, exactly. I would be yeah. off in the hills in some fabulous mm-hmm. renovated farmhouse in the hills of Ibiza, like, chilling there were tons of great times but yes. there was there were some lows a hundred percent and I, I think of the city college yes uh incident only because i was a student at city college at the time mm-hmm. and it was interesting because that event um i still accuse the people that attended that event of not being respectful of one another there are so many awful awful things that relate to that Can you event. walk us to that? I can walk you through it, but I want to do it quickly because okay. it's not something I particularly care to relive or think about because right. it was truly horrible. But also since I was accused of a lot of things that were not remotely true, it's, you know, I don't mind speaking about it. Okay. Um, the long and short of it is that Puff and I had been legally incorporated together and we had been doing a lot of things together and had plans. Under, under what name? Extra large production. Okay. And we had that's plans. So, that's so 80s. Yeah. <laughs> and we had plans to do things together. This stemmed from his intern going into A&R days. Right. And we had plans to do things together. And to simplify it, let's say we decided to disband and dissolve the company and not do stuff together right. anymore. And But we were still cool. But all of a sudden, I wasn't going to be a partner right. anymore. So there was a little tension? He, he was on fire. He was on fire. You know, and he, did you feel that, oh, motherfucker, you don't need me anymore? I ne- it was never only me. You know, he had so many different things with right. different people. I, I never was really that upset right. with it because I had plenty of stuff going on as well. And we were cool. Okay. He and Heavy D decided they were going to do this event. And because he and I were not working together, I had nothing to do with it. Right. I had a flight booked. I was supposed to be in Cali on vacation. And they were bugging me. They kept calling me for like, you know, oh, how do we get this done or the flyer or the, this or that, like all this stuff. But, right. he, you know, they knew better. They were doing that. They were putting this whole thing together. Leading up to it, very, I mean, they were already promoting it and advertising it, and I don't know how they set up the tickets. I didn't know any of that right. stuff. okay. They had a disagreement with each other about who was going to watch the money uh. at the cashiers and the coming in. And Puff wanted his boys and have wanted his people, and they went back and forth. So purportedly, it was brought to me that the only person they both trusted was me. Jeez. I was like, I'm not even going to be in town. I'm going to California on vacation. <laughs> this is not my shit. Yeah. Like, screw you. This is not my shit. Right. Like, you cut me out. Like, here we go. Persuasive Puff. Puff. He could talk me into anything. Change my ticket. All right. I'll stay. I'll watch the cashiers. I didn't book the security. I didn't organize the event. I didn't Were you sell going someplace tickets. warm? Because it was fucking cold. That I fucking honestly don't remember. That, yeah. I think I was just going to LA to okay. hang out. It was or someplace something. warm. Okay. Yeah. It wasn't like whatever. And, um, uh, I, uh, again, like I said, I didn't book the venue. I didn't book the security. I didn't hire the door people. I didn't make any executive decisions. I did not design the flyer, which looked like the flyers I used to design uh. at the time. It was made like 
for the after party, all that stuff. I didn't do any of that. Right. I strictly hired the four girls to be cashiers at the table, stand there and watch them, and make sure at the end of the event, the money left the building safely. Right. And the agreement was that probably the money would just, I'd have security, the money would leave, go home with me, and they'd get it from me the next right. day because they knew I wasn't going to steal yeah. the money. I mean, can you imagine? There was no other person on the planet they trusted. <laughs> um, so that's truly, you know, the extent of my involvement. The way so many horrible stories and things, I mean, on another occasion I could break down what I think happened outside, right. but it was terrifying. It was terrifying. It was terrifying, and, and, you- and it was so many people and surging towards the doors and those glass walls and the and security had no control and there were so many different things and at a certain point the crowd was getting closer and closer and it was it was terrifying right and i told it's like I, a force of nature in a sense yes it, it's that what there's a word for like when there's a, a mob ma- mentality yes yes and even before it became mob mentality just when a mass of people start to move it's beyond an individual control and you who's been so intimately involved with night scene and events and you have like this instinct you knew like this was something when i got there that afternoon to set up and i saw the people outside and in the afternoon in the afternoon i thought this is scary right i Mm. thought it's scary but listen it's not like hindsight is 2020 hindsight's always 2020 and i certainly didn't think this is so scary to say like, hey, you guys, something tragic's gonna right, happen. Right. It hadn't thought, happened. What I thought is, this is gonna be a shit show. Right. It's gonna be a mess. Right. Mm-hmm. I was like, sloppy. cool. Let them sloppy. see that it's fucked up when I don't organize right. it. Really is okay. where my head was at. Right. And a couple, like, and occasionally I, people saw me or I walked outside, people were screaming my name. I was like, I'm not working. Right. I got nothing to do with this stuff. Right. I, if I told you to this day who the two people were who were running the door in security, you would be shocked. You know them industry scene like all the shit i got blamed for who was who was at the I'm door not do, i'm not saying okay I'm not but my point is don't say it i won't i wouldn't um but my point is they shouldn't have been at the door listen they probably were right. but it wasn't it wasn't something they had expertise right, in right, 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 right. i mean first of all nobody had expertise back right. then but i certainly you know i was so maligned for so many things that i had nothing to do right with. well I'm, I'm glad you said that because for years i thought you were part of the main promoter that's right no. I, I thought you were and, part of that triumvirate and and you were like okay you dudes uh you know fall on the sword yeah yeah no and so what happened was um as it was really there was a few people notable people well-known people right that got in through a different door way down the other end of right. the building and came through some back hallways and we walked them down. And I remember one of them cursing me out about how she had to wait and this and that. Oh. And I was like, yo, this shit is not about you. I, I remember this distinctly. I was on the stairs going down and she was screaming at me and about how she had to wait and how fucked up. I was like, one, I got nothing to do with the door. I was like, dude, do you not see what the fuck is going on right. out there? Like, are you crazy? This is not about you. Like, people's ego is unbelievable. Especially in the nightlife. So at this point, I felt uncomfortable for my girls who were the cashier. Right. Mm-hmm. I went up to the top. I said, pack up your cash. You know, we have those like little boxes yeah, that you carry. Boxes. I said, pack up the boxes. I'm taking you guys down into the gym. Right. We were, this is of the famous, I walk down the stairs and close the door mm-hmm. story. So I walked the girls down the stairs. It was now. I can't promise you. I know the exact timing of this, but of it's around the same time that the front door got bum rushed. Right. Mm. So I moved them. We're running in. Of course, whoever's at the bottom of the stairs shut the doors. Right. Everybody. It was natural that the doors were shut. It wasn't us. It right. wasn't the girls. It wasn't me. I remember me and Puff being on the other side, 
like the doors were shut because the doors were always shut. We opened them to walk into the thing. The doors shut, shut again. Yeah, I was physics. I didn't see any of what was going on. No, what? I was in the gym mm-hmm. locker room with the girls, right? Watching the money, right? That's where I was. Knowing that the shit was at this point, a powder I that, keg, but not not knowing the extent. I think at of this it. point, no, no idea of the extent of this. Right. I think at this point, we knew the doors had been bum rushed. And people were running in and you could hear noise and it was scary. And I just stayed in there with them and we stayed. We did not leave right. that locker room till the shit was over. Over. And, and you, then it was horrible. And it's crazy. And I don't remember a lot of the specifics. I know I saw some people lying there. I remember right. when Dougie was on the mic. I mean, it's awful. It's right, absolutely right, right. awful. And no real grasp of what had really happened. Except at this point now, there's no, there's like now at this point, I really had the cash and right. I really had to get the fuck out of there. Yeah. Like, and that's, you know, I mean, it was insane. I eventually ended up having to go, like, testify to the district attorney. Which is like, what the fuck am I doing here? All kinds of stuff. Right. Well, I understand that they needed to know everybody who was involved, their side of the story. Um, What wasn't cool was, you know, a certain person who went on the radio and said that it was my event. and. I had overpromoted and, you know, done all this stuff and I had closed the doors and, mm-hmm. you know, all that stuff. What did you walk away with from that experience? Uh, I was traumatized for right. like a year. I mean, there, I, first I was harassed by reporters and whatever. I also, I had no work. Nobody would hire me. Mm. I several times had girls try and beat me up or jump me. Really? Yeah. Um, if I hung out, yeah. Related to yeah. the victims of the... In one case, somebody, it was like their best friend or their sister, and they blamed me. And all this came from this person going on the radio and saying this. I mean, you had two very high-profile women who both publicly accused me of doing this. So while you're going through this shit, are you like never fucking again? No, I just, I was, I was, I was lost for a little bit. Like, you know, because I felt, particularly with the downtown stuff and and the parties, like, you know, and downtown hip-hop was all with like, that was my shit. Like, right. why was I going to walk away from what I knew? But I didn't. I had no money. I had right. no fucking money. Mm. I remember Puff, Puff was one of the only people who, for maybe it was maybe lasted about a year that people really weren't fucking with me. Right. And he stood by me. Right. And I will always give him credit for that. Mm. And people used to say to him, well, why the fuck are you fucking with her? Why are you? And then this was around the time period that stuff started to feel very weird, like black and white. Right. And a lot of commentary about it and stuff. And, be like, and I always remember, like, people would say to him, like, you know, why you always hire that white girl? And this, he's like, because she's the best of the job. It's mm. not like this or that. And there was a handful of people that just stuck by me. Right. You know, eventually it passed. But I don't think anybody ever really understood the real story. Right. And, you know, all the... I, and I also think that the... I think I know this, that the the press and the way they spoke about the overselling of the tickets and all this stuff that they did, they didn't really do that. I don't think that they pre-sold or oversold right. that many tickets. I think the real issue... Was the crowd, the crowd, yes. and the was promotion so thirsty to get in the fucking yes. place? But nobody ever thought four thousand people are showing. Right, it was it was not imaginable prior to this. Right, I don't think that they knew how hot or exciting or the thing. I mean, everything was so new. It was so exciting. Right, Puff Daddy and Heavy D having a, cele- a celebrities, all the celebrities. It was so exciting, and well, this was when stuff had started to reach. It was far reaching. I, I, I'm going to say also the 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 timing. The timing, everyone was home from school. College right. kids, high school kids. It was kids. a convergence. It was yeah. Thanksgiving weekend, right? No, no Christmas. December. Christmas. Christmas. December 28th. Christmas. Wow. Christmas. So everyone is home. It, 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 it just was a, a perfect mix yeah. for people to be, one, thirsty. And, and again, like I say, 
the worst thing was that people did not care about each other. No, they didn't. And, you know, I, I hate to say it, but, yo, you niggas. <laughs> anyway. Anyway, it was it was awful. Hopefully, you know, there was some decent things about, you know, crowd control. And right. just, listen, even the that building, I remember even when I got there, the way the doors went at the top, never mind at the, nothing was built, it wasn't designed right. And considering it was a large-scale gymnasium to hold a lot of people, it was stupid just even as a school thing. Well, the, the, the crazy thing was it, it, it was never designed to, to be administered in that manner. Of course not. But. So, and really the way the, the doors flow also is leading from the gym, they open outward. Right. And up the stairs. Up the stairs. Yeah. And they're opening out to get out of the building. So as people are pressing to come they, they in. They piled up on the stairs. It was awful. It yeah. It was horrible. Anyway. Anyway. Not to make light of it, but it should no, be the anyway. only thing we should But you about. survived and and and, and, and and you got back on the scene. Yes. Let's get to uh let's get to the tunnel. Okay. Oh, oh you you skipped the building. Powerhouse. I know, but we can't do every single club. We're gonna be here till <laughs> next week. I have, right now, man. I loved the building. Right. But I guess I guess I guess what this means is this was part one. Part, this is part <laughs> we're, we're, we're nowhere near up to even why I'm doing the tunnel now in 2014. Let's get to the tunnel, though. Let's get to the tunnel. Let's uh-huh. get to Mecca. Okay. You started doing Mecca. So I went on my trip to Cali finally. Right. And I was driving around, and I was thinking, this is maybe whatever amount of time later, and I was thinking, I got to do a new party. I got to right. come back. And it just popped into my head that the party should be called Mecca. Right. I don't know why just decided the party should be called Mecca. You know, it was like a hot word then. Right. And it was, but the clothing company didn't Clo- exist right. yet. Tony like, Shulman. All that stuff. That right. followed me. I okay. always say they stole it from me. We always joke like okay. who owes who a check, whatever. Right. Um, so first. Jessica, you smell so good right now. <laughs> Don't you smell Jessica right? But it's, Internet, I wish I could get this smell transmitted through your headphones right now. But it's so what embarrassing. Because if are I you tell you what I'm wearing, it's so, you're going to have What are a you wearing? Day. Tom Ford. Tom Ford. <laughs> Tom Ford. That's what it smells like. Mm. Go ahead. Um, High black leather boots too. Mm. <laughs> so uh, we decided. Mm. So I decided to do this new party called Maca. I looked for a space. I found Supper Club. Beautiful place. Amazing. Midtown. Um, Midtown. But it was about the room. Right. You know, um, first Mecca party was in 1992, November mm-hmm. of 92. For mm-hmm. some reason, all my parties start in November. November. Uh, I have the invite. It's amazing. The original D, so the reason I created Mecca, so at this point, I was really, I hadn't been throwing a lot of parties right. since all that other stuff. And I had been very, uh, consumed with managing Flex. Right. And at the time, he played Uptown. Um, and he had a mostly Spanish audience and he played, um, what was the club? Club 2000. Club 2000! <laughs> right. Yo, <laughs> you know, this is a chapter in, in history that's basically like forgotten only because it was just like uh, one a or blip. two pages. Yeah. But Club 2000, what was that? On Broadway? And Broadway 100? 96? I never went. No, not 96. No, it was more uptown like than that. Broadway, I like Broadway, like 145th. 38, 48. No, 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 no. It would have been higher than it would have been like one, one, one forty-seven. It was fucking uptown. It was right? uptown. One forty-seven. One forty-seven. And this was like it was like it was so ghetto in <laughs> Club Two Thousand, but it was so exciting. Yeah. And you knew, like, like you knew, cats in there smelt like fresh cocaine, <laughs> right? And it was the first time in New York City that I was at a regular like uh, club. You paid your money. You, you went in. You seen the drug dealers and you saw the strippers. Right. Then you oh, saw God. like the puffs. 
and the Chris Lighty. So it was like this whole other element of clubbing that I had never seen before, but that shit was so exciting. Anyway. Um, so as Flex's Mecca manager. Mecca Audio. Yeah. Remember Mecca <laughs> yep. Audio. Okay. So as Flex's manager. Google that, I, internets. I'm sorry. <laughs> that's all right. You got to school them. Yes. I'm sure a lot of this people are like, what the fuck are they Club talking 2000. About? So I decided I needed to create a party right. that was built around Flex as a vehicle to expand his audience. You have to take him out the hood. And hunt. bring. No, not take him out the hood. He had just started on Hot 97. Right. Bring my hood, not my downtown hood, but I, my big black following to okay. him right. to get him out of this weird Spanish niche. Cause that was, was that was, that, that was a was dead the, end spot. Yeah. It was exciting, but it was a dead end spot. But it was know. also like, they weren't going to, they didn't represent enough people to be listeners and momentum. This was like, right. we were going to start doing, you know, street campaigns and stickers. Mm. Remember when I did this, the street campaign for AZ? Yes. You saw the stickers yes. everywhere. Yes, like, yes. It was those days. Like I had a team and I team. had a crew and street like, team. Yeah. I mean, other people claim to have invented that, but whatever. Okay. Anyway. Um, okay. You know, I was taking every tool I had to sort of build flex. So it was like my team, the flip squad, this. I wanted to create this party. So created, so came up with Mecca and we launched at the Supper Club and the two opening DJs, but they weren't called opening DJs then. They were just the DJs that played before. This is amazing. Was Belinda. Belinda. As in Belinda Becker. Yes. Like, who's still DJing and fabulous. And the other DJ was Drina De Niro. Trina De Niro. My friend Drina, who is Robert's daughter. That's mm-hmm. crazy. Yeah. So they were, I have the invite. It's crazy. That's crazy. Mecca with go, go girls. It's like some funny sketch. And it's so funny. I have this bad graphic design that I made at the time. I didn't have a graphic designer. Right. And I took the little pyramids and the eyes from the dollar bill and it's on it. So years later, like, look, see, I told you she was uh, Illuminati. Illuminati. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I just read an article today That's about why how Illuminati you are one of the architects <laughs> uh, of Illuminati and hip hop. Did you read that article? I, I didn't see the article. I've seen the excerpt from that stupid book right, they funny. wrote. I mean, it's amazing. One day my mom calls me. She's like, so what's the Illuminati? Uh, I'm finding this like people are so insane. So anyway, I you really... got the you got the Illuminati. Yeah, now that your... I think about, it, I can't right. wait to show you the invite. My Illuminati invite. <laughs> no I'll tell you, Kamala, it was funny when you said that you were going to have her on as a guest. You know, I did some research and I put your name in Google, and the first thing that came up was Illuminati. No, <laughs> I Google myself all the time. That no, does I, not come up like first. one of the it, it first. It says entries, your name in Illuminati. <laughs> So anyway, fantastic. So anyway, you, you launched this first. So I launched this party. It was awesome. Right. It was a little bit of everything. Right. It was downtown. It was uptown. It definitely had a lot of sort of like, because I was still cool with all them. And, you know, so they were all in there, all the uptown people and the right. puff energy and that kind of, you know, they all supported me. And then just like hip hop, like masses and, and, and artists. And it was still relatively an innocent time. It definitely was. Yeah. Uh, you know, and I was really tight with, like Chris was one of my best friends, Lighty. And so. Was, How did you meet Chris? He started coming. I really don't know. Right. I can't remember the first time we met. I remember the first time we really hung out and talked, and we were kind of like instantly friends, and we were friends for twenty years. And he was kind of thugging more, more on the thuggish side then, or to the outside, I guess. Right. And I gave Chris a real platform to act like a thug when I put him Security. down with me at the tunnel. Right. But this was still before the tunnel. Right. Um, to the outside, yeah, because of violators right. and and all that stuff. Chris was tough, but um, I mean the. Ironic thing is that his famous scar on his face is from one of my parties, and then the tunnel was the thing that gave him his hardcore like front. Right. As my friend, he was never a thug. Okay. You know, I mean, he, and we really were best friends right. for almost twenty years. Okay. So I had all different areas and groups of people and friends, and 
worlds that I knew. So they were all coming and supporting me. And that was what was making the party really cool and fun and energetic. And of course, it was this amazing platform for Flex. Right. And again, yeah, there were 10 better DJs, but nobody studied the crowd harder mm. or figured out what was the way that would work. Like, it was like a scientific plan. Mm. I understand people think that way now, like, oh, you got to build the energy and do right. this so you can sell the bottles and then these records. Back then, people didn't think like that. But Flex was. Well, my rule with any DJ I worked with then and now is you have to play for the people, not yourself. Right. I don't care if it's five people, 50 people, 500 people, 5,000 people. If I see you looking down at the set, and not watching the crowd, not. you are not doing your job. Right. Mm -hmm. And what happened with a lot of DJs that I used at Red Zone for Daddy's House that were the shit, their egos got so big that they started playing for themselves. And you, and they're like, they how the watching. fuck are you going to tell me what to play? It's like, because you're still working for me. Right. But they thought they were the stars. Right. Now, don't get me wrong. Flex got a gigantic ego. Right. But he, he, he wants to win. So he, he, there's a funny part of him is equal parts ego and humility, like, because he knows he's not the best DJ. Right. Mm -hmm. So, but in a certain way, he is the best DJ. Because he's going to he work his it. ass off. And he knows. Right. And he's won for 25 years. Yeah. Like, nobody's beaten him. So right. how how do you say he's not the best DJ? Right, of course. And then it always sounds like, you know, sour chips from the other people. Like, how are you going to talk shit about? Worry about your own lane. Right. That was the best thing Chris ever, Chris taught me two great things. He always said, stay in your lane and worry about your lane. When you start worrying about what everybody else is doing in the other lanes, you know what? I, I that's that's great advice, man. And and the other thing he taught me is anything over a thousand dollars is real money. <laughs> <laughs> I like so, that. Like you know, it's nine hundred dollars. Yeah, you could keep <laughs> uh, it. You I don't owe it to me. Thousand dollars to give me my money yeah, back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so so you you you're at the supper club. It's a yeah. success. It's a success. But again, this is still in the time period where no hip hop party really lasted that long. Right. There was always a fight, or the management would get freaked out, right. or whatever. Like. You know, now people have fights, so what? Of course, fix it, handle it, keep it moving. Nobody right. wants to lose the business. This was still when, like, you know, you never even knew if you were getting your money that the club owed you, so you better keep your door money. Like, you know, shit, it was, it was crazy. It was dicey. Yeah, and we had. And it was New York City. It was, it was, was New York, it was dicey. I had New interns York City. stuffing envelopes in an office. We were taking a clipboard around, writing down people's addresses. <laughs> well, why did you choose Supper Club? Because I, I, during the time, that was kind of a hot spot too. I, uh, Soul Kitchen had, had, had a little run inside there. Mm -mm. Soul Kitchen was Soul downtown. Always downtown. downtown. Soul Kitchen had done a run in Supper nah, Club on, never on met, nah. 47th Street. Nah, it was at it was at Jimmy's Barbecue, then it was at Wetlands, and then it was at SMB's. Wetlands. It was on, but it was it never was, in Midtown. It was on, and not in this time. 13th Street and Fourth Avenue. I mean, it was downtown, but it was I, never Midtown. If it was, it wasn't. It wasn't I Soul Kitchen. Felt like I did a Soul nah, Kitchen. No, nah. nah. you're smoking that water. You're smoking that, that water. Use the water. Head. I did somebody's party at Supper so, Club. So in, anyway, in, Supper Club. Okay. Um. No, and before I got it, there I. There wasn't a, nobody had really accessed it for hip hop or parties like that. Maybe I did your party then. In, in. Anything's possible. Okay. But here's the thing. The reason, there was a point, maybe it was after CCNY, there was another point in time when I was stuck, when I didn't have money. Same as when I became a receptionist at Egg where I couldn't really right. let people know I was working. I worked at Supper Club. Okay. When they were the Supper Club. Right. As a hostess. Right. Like as a side job because it was never, it was like, Latin and grown up and, and like. Button up. It was real yeah. clean. And that's as like a side job where nobody would see that that's what I was doing because right. I needed to make money. And that's and, how and I you knew. needed to heal and lick your wounds in a whole mm -hmm. night. Right. Yeah. I think that's all around that time period. And that's when I met, um, a dear friend of mine, Lee Friedman, who, um, is not with us any longer, but he was the, the manager, the head matron, whatever 
Um, and he was, yes, and this is exactly it. And I was licking my wounds and he was really my friend that helped me sort of heal and put my shit together. Yeah, and feel good about myself. And he was the one who said, I will get you a deal here and you can throw a party. Uh. And I knew Lee, I remembered him from back in the day when I first did the door at Nell's. He used to come there and he was this very flamboyant, fabulous gay guy who wore like high fashion that I was like, you know, he'd wear like a goche coat I was dying for. And he had a really cool restaurant on Barrow Street. And that was from way back. And then all these years later, I end up there for a job interview and there he is. And he says, you will have this job and nice. I will. And we became friends and, nice. and he helped Lee. me. And that's how I ended up with Supper Club. Right. Damn, that, that work you did at Nell's door. Yeah. <laughs> just, just kept, it kept giving. Kept yep. you straight. Most of the time. Yeah. So there was Mecca and Mecca started and. Although how on earth I was working there as a hostess and managing Flex, I don't know. I can't right. really. Again, somebody else has to put the timeline together for me. <laughs> I don't know. Um, so started Mecca, and it was big success. And eventually I had to find a new location. I moved it a bunch of times. It moved to the Grand. It moved to Arena. It moved back to the Grand. Um, none and of did which... you like moving or were you looking for a permanent home? I didn't like moving. They would move out of necessity. Right, of course. Either the, you know, Club owners would get scared or there was a fight or or whatever. Something would just happen or the owners were shady and I thought they were stealing money from right. me. I mean, one time, Arena was where the famous story like Biggie and his boys jumped the bar and stole all the mm. money out of the cash registers. Right. I wasn't even mad at Biggie. I was mad at the club owners because they locked me in the liquor um storage, walk-in storage thing in the basement because they thought I had all the cash uh, from the door. Right. Because they figured if the registers got robbed, like at least they could get the door cash. Right. And, and it, it had was, you locked in. Yeah. Uh-huh. It was just me and my assistant, Mar, at the time. And it was like, you know, the big coolers, mm-hmm. the walk-in yeah, coolers. Yeah, yeah. It's a little scary to be yeah. locked in a walk-in yeah. cooler. Yeah. Nonetheless, I took all the cash and shoved it down my <laughs> pants. And they didn't get any. Um, and it was around this time. I remember, sp- I have a specific memory of hanging out at the Grand one night and um, uh, being with Chris. And we were just sitting around talking shit, watching the party build and everybody right. come in. So this was around the time Chris and I started to get really close. Okay. And then... I moved it to the tunnel. And I moved it to the tunnel because it was Peter Gation, so it was the same owners as Palladium. I'd done events at the Palladium. So and you I, knew Peter Gation. Yeah. And I had the I had the relationships. Right. I because of Nell's, everybody in downtown New York knew me in the scene. Right. I was a, a princess in that world. I had been in the press and the magazines a million times. Totally different world than the hip hop. They knew they knew me as this white girl with these parties. They had no idea my history or this other world. Like Got was, deeper, right. You know, fast forward you know, 20 plus years later when you have like Russell and Noah Tupperberg at the same table, you know what I mean? Like it all comes full circle. Of course, of course. But back then you, it was all a million. How was Peter? How was dealing with Peter? Uh, back then it was okay. Right. I always say that like, you know, my last big Memorial Day weekend that I did there was like his bail money. Mm -hmm. But, um, I don't, they didn't treat me great. Right. And, you know, ultimately not so much Peter's doing, but his team. Yeah, let's leave it at that. Right. You know, really ousted me. Right. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, and Flex stayed. And right. that's when it really changed. Right. It was because it became Mecca. When I moved there, it was Mecca at the tunnel. Right. And then when I left, it so was tunnel, the tunnel. tunnel. Right, right. And it, it did run for quite a while. Right. Uh, without me. So you guys hit the No ground. love lost right. between me and Peter. Of course. But yeah. you, you And guys... he never spoke to me after the tunnel. Ever. Right. I mean, he, I used to go to those offices. He said nice things about you in the, in the complex article. Yeah, but he should have. Right, of course. You know, what was he going to do? He looks stupid if he doesn't. Right. You know, and, and now at this fast forward all these years later, we have funny, weird, mutual friends and connections and strange stuff. But I used to go in the office. I mean, he was always respectful to me. I'll right. give him that. And again, I was crazy back then. You couldn't tell me nothing. Like, 
I think back now, if I would have been looking at this little 20 some odd girl, like, I was like a bad bitch. Like, right. I just thought I knew everything. Like, and, and the one eye, every- the one you, eye was but, talking yeah. to me. But you did know everything though. Yeah. You I know. Did, you did know everything. You know, it's funny. <clears throat> when Flex and I dissolved our working relationship and at one, it was complicated, you know, and, and we had this big argument at one point. Actually, a legendary argument that many people heard. It was in the Delano in Miami. Okay. And it was heard on floors above and below. And anyway. But it was on blast. It was completely Good thing blast. the internet wasn't around. Oh, my God, right? Just two-way pages. Right. Um, so he says, um, he's screaming at me, and he's like, you know, why didn't you tell me? And da-da-da-da. Tell you what? Well, it was like all the stuff, all the success and things that were going to happen. Right. And I looked at him, and I was like, but I didn't know any more than anybody else did. Right. I just proceeded with some insane confidence that everybody assumed I knew. I didn't fucking know. Right. It Nobody was wild, knew. Wild West. Nobody, Nobody knew. knew. Right. 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 You know, it was crazy. But anyway, uh, so through various. That's um, a crazy way to break up. <laughs> like, I didn't know I was going to be this tremendous. Yeah. And it's because of you. Yeah. <laughs> Goodbye. Yeah. What the fuck? Uh, it's kind of funny. So I got the tunnel and I actually got it for two nights. I got it for Wednesdays and Sundays. Right. Now, Sundays was a graveyard shift. basically. Yeah. Well, they gave it to me. See, this is how I always got Sunday. This is because nobody wanted a hip hop party, but mm-hmm. Sundays, there was no successful money to be made on Sundays except gay nights, and right. there's only a few gay nights. So in the beginning, I could only ever get a club on a Sunday because right. they gave it away. Uh, but it's also why and how Sunday has become the standard across America as the night for the big hip hop night. Live on Sunday. Right. You know, and, um, and all these other cities started doing it after, you know, Tunnel became so huge. So anyway, I did do a party at the same time on, I was filling the tunnel on Wednesdays and Sundays. Wow. Think about that. That's crazy. Wow. And this is not like now when you have a team of promoters and hosts. There was nobody. Right. There was me. Right. Well, what night was Daddy's house? Was it Wednesday or Thursday? It changed. Okay. Uh, because at one point we had a really huge fight and we closed and we reopened on a different night of the week thinking that would make a difference. <laughs> I have no idea. Um, but it was both. Mm-hmm. It ran on both. So, so, so Mecca hits the ground mm-hmm. and it's instantly successful. Yeah. And, and it's successful everywhere we move it, right. even despite insane stuff. Right. And Bar what, jumpings, liquor cooler. And what's know. what's some of the insane, insane, what's the most insane shit you saw? Well, I think that it was super cool until we got to the tunnel. And right. when we got to the tunnel, even Mecca at the tunnel, that's when it became insane. Right. Cool, but insane. Is it so, because you guys opened the door to the general public or more Just the number of people. Well, I mean, just by volume, the space is bigger. Right. The brand and the night and word of the night had been building. Mm. And at this point, even though everybody knows about Daddy's House and all that, none of that stuff lasted that long. Right. This lasted. This was an institution. So it started spreading. People in Philly, Virginia, fuck. everybody was coming. They'd drive. There were night. If you hit the West Side so Highway. Fuck Jersey. It was like yes. Philly yes. and D.C. Yes. You hit the West Side Highway. And Connecticut and on a Delaware. On a Sunday night, it was a car show. You what? could see the fucking car show head. It was a car show. show. It was crazy. Yeah. Not only that, but real talk, the. The uh, 29th Street side of uh, the tunnel Crazy at the end of the night. Woo! And the, and you add the cops to that shit. Oh, oh, listen, before before the cops even got on, I'm talking about when in the heyday, when it was just the daily operation. You got hustlers coming from everywhere. Got the hookers and you in got, the street. And you got... You had every level of hustle going right. on. Every level of hustle. That's like, right. Half the people out there weren't even trying to get in the club. That's they just so had business to handle out fucking there. fucking cash mm-hmm. on that block. Yeah. 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 So much fucking yeah. cash on that block. Yeah. So And then inside, like... Okay, so you got to remember this is before bottle service. Yes. Before waitresses. 
So what would happen is, let's say, Puff comes and Jermaine Dupri comes. I, I heard and about They would this. be at the end of the bar. Right. You won't buy out the bar. So give me all the champagne. Give me all the – so one of them would say, oh, I don't know what it was. Give me all the dom you have, right? right? So they get all the dom. We had no buckets or set up or tables. So you know the big black rubber trays the yes. busboys carry to yes, clean up? Yes, yes, yes. They yes. take that, put it on the bar, fill it with ice, and dump the 20 bottles in that. So then the then Puff would be like, well, you know, give me all the crystal you got right. or whatever it was back then. So Jermaine and, and Puff they used were to historically two, go back, back and, and forth. Back and forth. Right. At, and it was that giant bar in the middle of the club. And they would stand at the bar and line the bottles up on the bar. And it was crazy. Crazy. And, and it was like, it was, so they were the two, two fucking of the, money. So much money. Well, but don't forget, shit was not that expensive right, back then. Right, 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 right. Either. It's not like now when some guy goes to live and drops 80 G's. You know what I mean? Right. Like, so they were spending a couple thousand dollars. Right. Really? In the scheme of things? Big deal. You know, there was no. The sight of it. The sight of it was so important. Mm-hmm. And it was so had to do with who they were on the scene. And it was so important that they show that in there that they were the kings of this shit. Right. And, and they were. But it was like, you know, it was about swagger and energy. There was no shit like, give me discounts, give me sparklers, give me a waitress. It was just, give me. Give me. I can have this. Give me. Yeah. Let me. This is my part of the bar. And then there was crazy shit going on all over the club. I mean, the unisex bathroom. Yeah, but also just like territory. Mm. Like when you headed out towards the dance floor and it got darker, I don't know which corner was what. Because again, a little bit similar to Daddy's house, there would be a point in the night where I would just go in yeah. the office and. Because you didn't belong. You didn't belong in the general. No, but I was comfortable in the DJ booth, and right. I liked. At, and I have always felt comfortable in the DJ booth, and always felt comfortable watching the room and understanding the music right. and the energy. And um. So I'll, when you say territorial, like you, in terms of like, like Brooklyn, Brooklyn side. And you didn't want to fuck with the Brooklyn side. But the best thing is when, like, the right record would come on and you'd start watching the room and they'd start going, Brooklyn, like that. that was, it was amazing right. to watch. So many performances there. Yeah. But a lot of the performances did not occur till later. Okay. In the beginning, it was built on the brand. On the brand. It was all the artists were right. in there, but nobody was performing. They right. were just in there. Right. I remember everybody would be in there. Right. And um, the performances came later and mostly after I left okay. as a means of promotion. Right. Because they'd put them on the flyer. I mean, don't get me wrong. I did some. I did some crazy shit. I did Luke one year for New Year's Eve. How was like, that? Crazy. Because New York wasn't accustomed to that. No, but but I think there's always been an affection for Uncle Luke. Right. And there was an understanding. And, right. and and remember now, I mean, it wasn't just New York inside the inside. It, it was everybody. Yeah. It was everybody. It was and everybody. You also have to remember, all during People this time, I was getting hired, so I was always doing other parties and right. other things too. So it was always so my network was so vast mm. too. You know, do the source after party, do the this, right. do the that, whatever it was, I was doing. What was it. your most memorable night at the tunnel? I I gotta say that it's there's a few funny stories that stand out, but in a certain way, it blurs into one memory. Mm. I don't have it super separated. Right. I remember one night. Um, out by the door, I was yelling at these guys to pay, and I didn't know who they were, right? right. And um, turn, they turn around to their boss, and there I see, you know who, um, Big D? Yes. Like, so he's in his giant fur coat, and he's big, big D, right? Right. And they're all like, you know, how the fuck we got to pay? And, but the drug dealers love me because they appreciated my hustle. Right. So he told all his soldiers or whatever they were, I don't know, you know. Fucking pay. He was like, pay Jessica her Yeah. Mom. I was like, all right. They, I never had another problem again with them at the door. I always say back in the 90s, my best clients were the drug dealers. Because <laughs> right. they didn't fucking try to fucking 
bargain discount. Yeah. They kept their word. Yep. You had to keep your word, and you got paid <laughs> cash. Yep. It's the greatest shit ever. That was funny, and um, I used to. I always had fun with Flex, and I always had fun because I'd be like, "This is a record we got to play tonight." He'd be like, eh, "I don't know," and I'd like, I'd have one record that I knew was gonna rip right, in right, the room, right, right. and he was always so skeptical. And then he like, played what, like what record? Uh, there was what a, record did you break, Jessica? Oh God, I'm gonna get it wrong. Can we save it for part two? I have to okay. remember what record. Okay, <laughs> but I'll remember it play. He'd be like, oh, "Right, <laughs> shit," and we'd watch the room and watch ripping. And I remember, you know, I um, Riz had brought me Cipher originally, mm. and so Cipher was on our show, and he said you gave him his real first big break. Yeah, and I remember it was Flex used to be so funny. He'd be like, "Who the fuck is this? Get them out of the fucking." What did DJ you see booth. about Cipher? Um, you know, it was really Riz, right? That I trusted Riz, right? And he, Riz saw something in Cypher. Right. And then I saw Cypher got it. You know, there was a hierarchy, but there was rules and there was stuff. And it was like, you know, got, there were so the many rules. people around sweating. Right. Right. So it's like the last thing I want is to put an opener on who's going to get in my way or give me any kind of headache or bug flex or whatever, because we're all dealing with a hundred other things. It's not that we think we're so important, but it's like You're working. anybody You're who working. can help your process right. as opposed to hinder it. Like, that's why I never. It, Cypher got it. He could get out of the way. He could get it done and then get out of the yeah, way. And not for nothing. Doing a hot opening set is hard mm-hmm. because you can't play any hits. You can't Cause, play. Because as, as, as Cypher explained, Flex had, the, Flex had the monopoly on the hits. Of course. But as should any headliner. Right. Mm-hmm. And this is like, this is something I hate even now. Like I use very specific openers and these are guys who can handle headlining. But the thing is, opening, being a great opener is a real skill. You cannot play hits. You cannot grab like, you know, the easy don't records. crash records. Right. Like there's certain rules and it's like I hate all these fucking iPod DJs now and you come in and, you know, it's 1030 and they're playing, you know, whatever, Rick Ross. It's like, what are you doing? <laughs> or YG? Like, really? No, that's not what you're playing you now. set it up, right? Yeah. But they would kill it. I mean, the music was so good then you'd be hearing like, a, like total. Right. It's a perfect example. And in the beginning of the night, all the girls were comfortable. Right. So the girls were parading in and it was like a show, you know, they were like doing the laps. Walking around, <laughs> never, never laps. How did you get all the girls we in call the club? Them like, how were so oh many girls? Because all the right n words were there that right. they wanted to see. <laughs> yes. Like, come yes. on, yes. on every level: celebrity, dealer, right. street swag. Like, whoever in you want, right? Exactly. Whoever you wanted to see, they were, they were there. Right. You know, and even if like the guy you wanted to see wasn't even going to party, he was going there because that's where he could find the person he needed to right, speak right, to. Right, 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 right. Because there was probably more deals made. More meetings of the mind right. there, like mm-hmm. it was crazy. Because you, you you have this impression that right now, like a lot of hip hop, quote unquote hip hop parties per se in New York, is sausage fest. You know, I don't feel that so much now. Right. Um, I think maybe you get that with shows. Mm. Like, um, you know, there's certain artists, backpack artists, and whatever that I think then the audience is really guy heavy. But I think most clubs put a lot of work into balancing it out, right. and that's why all those stupid hosts and sub hosts and promoters and bring 10 girls and you get a free bottle and all this crap that goes on now. But there was certainly a long time period where it was horrible. You'd right. go to a club or a party and they were sausage fest yeah. and whatever. And that shit is never fun. No. What see... guy wants to party with a hundred other guys? This was mad dudes. Again, like he wants my to DJ, cut somebody like my DJ rules. I had rules about the girls. It's right. like the more girls you have at the party, the better the party. It, it wasn't right. hard, but right. these were like my basic tenants and I used them at every event. Right. Always. Right. You know, and it was like, if you're not on my page, Right. I, don't, I don't need to fuck with you. And I think that was my big thing. I always talk to people like, don't do it my way, then get the fuck get out. Get the fuck out of yeah, here. I don't care. Now, another thing you're credited with, Jessica, and I just found this out doing my research, is you really helped create the, the famous or infamous Puff Hampton white, white party. parties. Yes, mm-hmm. I did. 
Let's talk mm. about that. Let's talk about that. Well, the Hamptons. Yeah, <laughs> it's a it's a lot of stories. It's a whole other territory. It's a, a whole era, a different era, territory, whole other thing. I mean, you know, it's funny. There's a lot of people who claim a lot of credit for the white party. Right. They were line items in my budget. Okay, mm. line item. What? Yeah. Pop that collar. Yeah, right. <laughs> she just popped her collar. Um, without question. Right. Um, you know, Puff and I created the white party together. How? It were you was, thinking Great Gatsby? What were you thinking? It's his vision. Again, right. this goes back to the same thing of people right. saying, do for me what you did for Puff. No, they were incredible and they brought me the tools. Right. But he and I had a great chemistry. Um, he trusted my ability to, you know, implement and produce and direct and create. And it was so much work. You have no idea. So much You work. know, it. they were so fun. Yeah. Like I love getting invitations. They were invites to every and industry you party. Understand but the invites, invites to the white, white party, party, I was like, "Bitches, I'm out of here." It's such, <laughs> a, <laughs> such a big deal. And you under, you got to understand, Puff and I, like, we went over that list. Like every single name on that list was approved by both of us. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Like, thank you, Jessica. Thank it you, Jessica, for getting me in that bitch. <laughs> Jessica, speaking of a, of another Hamptons uh, resident. Did you help Lizzie Grubman when she was going through some difficulty? Not when she was going through difficulty. She did do the PR on the white parties, like maybe two out of six of them. Okay, okay. But not I, when she was running down bitches. No. Okay, okay. I thought you, I thought you had helped fix because I was like, yo, Jessica Rosenblum was like the white Olivia Pope back in the day. Like you were, you were out there fixing shit. No, I certainly fixed a bunch of shit, but not, but not her. Good stuff. for you. Okay, those were the. The best parties, man. They were amazing. Those were, those were the best parties. And it, I will always say that I wish I could have just attended one white party. You never, you never just. It was never. It was never. Well, fun. even by the time I would change and be in theory partaking in the party, it was weeks into days of exhaustion. Right. Into like I was delirious by the time it happened. Right. I mean, you know, somewhere between hanging a hundred thousand Christmas lights in the trees, getting cherry pickers with illegal workers to hang lanterns. <laughs> uh oh, one of the couches is cream instead of white. Like my 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 poor dad, rest in peace, came one year and he was wearing fabulous like linens. And Puff decided that his pants were cream and not white. They had him in the basement putting Come Sean on. John pants ah. on him. I mean, it was. And were you like, what the fuck are you doing? No, Puff? I said, I said, Puff, I told you you have to wear white. Because <laughs> <laughs> we had turned away so many famous people. I couldn't, I couldn't. I was like, I was like, mommy, I told you, you really, really admit white. Damn, Puff. Like, so funny. Damn. Now, talk about the so initial. I have a great. The, the initial reaction from the Hamptons, like they were not trying to fuck well, with that. Well, okay, yes first. and no. Right. He had rented that house the year before. Mm-hmm. The house that he bought. Yes. Right. Where all the the real original white right. parties were. Beautiful house. The year that he rented the house, I don't know if you were out there that year at all, that house looked fucking crazy. It looked like the Mondrian Hotel used to in LA with all the color blocks right, 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 and right. patches. Yeah, yeah. It looked like a shit show. Now, I saw it when it was more muted. Yeah, that's when we redid it and right. it was... It was fabulous. It was all whites and creams yeah. and insanely beautiful Italian modern furniture inside. All of which, by the way, I did all the furniture inside the house. Right. I, I got a funny story. I got a funny story to tell you about that. Interior design career, but anyway, that's another story. Right. So, um, the year that it looked crazy and he rented it, it was still like kind of brand new. Like, yo, let's fuck with the Hamptons. That's what the rich people do, like kind of thing. And we were on the wrong side of the highway and all this shit. And, um, <laughs> and the parties were a mess. Like the hood was driving out to the Hamptons, clogging up the highway. They were filming for MTV. Uh, it was it, it was chaotic. Barbecue ghetto style, right? Uh, like they were having a breakdown in the neighborhood. 
(laughs) (laughs) Property value getting fucked with. So then, fast forward a year, he buys the house and he paints it and he's like, you'll fix the inside. Mm. I was like, I got you. I did it. Well, my mom's actually an interior designer. So I had her help me, certainly. And, um, but I really like, I fulfilled my shopping fantasies. I was like, you know, B&B Italia and like, it was like beautiful, the furniture. I'm going to tell you a story. It was a Father's Day and Puff gave my office the keys. To the house? To the house. So my kids at the time, I think was like one and two years old. Um, we had a great time. He had his staff there, spent the whole weekend, came back. Puff for the next week is like, who fucking Pull the pill the, the button off my pillow. There's a <laughs> so fucking crazy. button missing from my pillow. Which one of you motherfuckers kids have <laughs> the button off? I'm like, fuck your pillows, Puff. <laughs> you, do you remember those pillows? <laughs> oh my god, he's so he has such an amazing um capacity to retain all that kind detail. Of yes, yeah, yes. he'd be running 17 things, but be like, so you know, what did you order for this corner in the house? Yeah, you know, yeah, like, yeah. it's like micromanagement, crazy on an incredible, Fra- level. incredible dude. Man. Um, but so that that following year when they we fixed the house and whatever, and he's like, he's like, I want to throw an incredible party. I want to white party concept was hips. Right creation of it was us together okay um and you know i've never like really jumped in front of the press or tried to claim credit it's just not how i do stuff or do things which is why on the rare occasion i do talk i will say like yeah all these fucking people who claim they did the white party they were line items in my budget and they work for me and i ran the entire fucking thing top Mm. i like bottom guest list production design ideas talent artists everything the jazz bands the acrobats the this the fireworks the you know Damn. The hot air balloons or whatever. Fuck. All that shit. The brownies? Crazy. Yeah. The brownies? Well, they were made specific. Jeff Burroughs was the brownie master. Mm. So, but it would be like, get Jeff. Get him to make the brownies the for the brownies party. brownies had motherfuckers. With? Brownies what, what had motherfuckers think? walking on the walls, B. <laughs> I, just gotta, I just gotta think about it right now. <laughs> Hiding in the tent. The one tent. Amazing. Um, but... So it was a funny thing that that very first year um, that it became the white party and not just a party. And we oh, we actually did a couple other events right. every year. There was a barbecue and there was a dinner. Right. They were sort of all became annual things. But obviously the white party was the big production. It was the biggest one. And that first, the very first year, Puff was sort of still transitioning out of like street hood, hot mess, used to dance in Stacey Lattice on videos. Like, I'm not sure. I don't even realize I'm that fabulous right. yet. So we told him, me and Josh Takeman, we told him, you want this? You want those? You want to fuck with the rich people? You want to fuck with the society people? You sweating all that, right? We're like, you need to shut up and you can't invite anybody. Mm. Uh, and for the first year only, he agreed. Did he, did he fight the impulse? Well, of course. There, right. We knew, I mean, we'd both worked with him for so long that we knew who the family core crew was that right. had to be covered. And we knew who the party people were. Right. We knew, like, you got to get, you know. So and so from right. uptown and right. so and so for, you know, like we, so they were all covered, but we were like, we need you to shut up. Shut the fuck up. So you don't get, we don't want, need any middle brow. Right. We need, we need our ghetto celebrities. We need our Hampton society. We need this, like. Let us put this puzzle together. Yeah. And that really, it certainly was a stepping stone for a lot of things. Wow. So that's uh, the white party. Wow. Mm. Lastly, I, I, yeah. you've been, you've been very generous with your information. <laughs> um, you were that close with Chris. Yes. And you, you, you put together his wedding party. I did. Which was fabulous. Yeah. It was pretty insane. Did you talk to Chris? Like, when's the last time you spoke to Chris? Two months before he passed. Right. Um, we how, used to we used to speak every day. How was he? Uh, you know, it's funny. We we talked a couple times because we were supposed to have dinner to catch up. Right. And we really hadn't been. And probably, you know, I'd say 
16 out of the 20 years we were friends, we probably used to talk a minimum of once a week, right. if not five times a day. And it dwindled in the later years. And we, and I knew something was, you know, different things were going on with him. And he talked to me about some of the stuff, but you know, we didn't have that. You know, there's certain friends you have a rhythm with and you talk to them all the time and then, and yeah, then you sort of you go in cycles bit, right. and you drift and then you drift back. And it was like, you know, and it was like, dude, I have, you know, I, 16 out of 20 years I spent my birthday with him. Right. Like he always made sure to be there for me wow. for my birthday. So it was like, you know, it was like we got to have dinner. We got to catch up. And we kept trying to make this plan and it kept not happening. So I did feel very out of touch at the, the very end. Right. When you heard the news, um, to, were you like, this is not Chris? I understand that everybody wants to say that and went to that. To me, that conversation is almost the gossip mongering part of the right. conversation. The first feelings, first of all, I believe grief is private and I really hated how so many people who, but this happens with anybody, you know, not anybody, but somebody who is of note or whatever. It's like, I don't need to hear your 20 feelings and opinions. You guys weren't even that close. I understand he meant a lot to a lot of people, right. but I, I do believe grief is private and I hate people sort of bandstanding and talking and, and gossiping and whatever. I also understand the need that people need to do that. They need to share information because everybody deals with it differently. I think the best thing I did was the, the thing I did after the funeral. His family had asked me, you know, to do this sort of friends and family gathering. And, um, it was beautiful and cathartic and very mm. different than the funeral, which was horrible. Um, no, that wasn't Chris. Maybe. What happened was the person that he had become. Right. But that's certainly by no means the person that was extraordinary and did so many things for hip hop and for so many people's lives right. and, and certainly wasn't the person who was my friend, you know, my best friend right. for all those years. And, you know, not for nothing, it sort of points out how sort of extraordinary and interesting he was. Imagine the fact that I was his best friend. Right. Like that's not who you'd expect that right. guy's best right, friend right, to be. Right, right, right. And everybody. You know, from Red to the Violators to anybody would have said, like, you were his real friend. Right. You know, so. Um, no, that wasn't the person he was. But there's not, you know, you can't, can't really talk of about course, it. Of course, of course. Tunnel 2014. Ah, Tunnel 2014. Tunnel <clears throat> 20, here we are in 2014. Oh my God, do I have a voice left? <laughs> Man. <clears throat> um, are you excited? I am. You know, it's funny. I had slightly mixed feelings in the beginning. Um, Why? Like, Oh, should we be really authentic? Does it need to be a different venue? Everybody's going to have this, that. And then I thought, fuck you. Fuck everybody. <laughs> like, I don't really care what anybody has to say. All these people talk about it. It's a legend as a brand. It's my 25-year anniversary in hip-hop this year. Thank mm. you. I Mine really... too, by the way. 1989. <laughs> cheers. Yeah, yes. cheers. Um, I really want to get out of the nightlife part by the end of this year. Right. Um you know, and certainly like the grind, the weekly grind of it. It's ridiculous at my age. And so it, it again felt, felt right in this sort of concept of everything coming full circle. And I guess, you know, so many people have been sweating flex about it and whatever. And when we agreed that we were, it was not a tunnel reunion and we were not recreating the you tunnel. No old motherfuckers around. It's you. not even that. It's like everybody, again, relax. <laughs> like it's not, I understand it's not the same. Right. Like every, oh, it's not the same. No, it's not. But that you know what? That bothers you when people talk about the nightlife not being the same. Because it's like, duh. <laughs> Sorry, like I can't come up with a more sophisticated answer. Right. It's like, duh. Well, nothing the stays same? the same. Right. Yes. Nothing stays the same. Yes. So, so it's like, it. why this one thing do we, you know, like, we want to like am i upset that i'm no longer wearing shoulder pads from the 80s no, no fashion doesn't stay the same either and the truth you, is it, it, it these people should thank god it's not the same because they wouldn't have entree 
<laughs> well, and then there's that. You know, and then there's, 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 you know, look, nothing stays the same. No. Art, music. Nothing. Anything. Food, nothing. Nothing. And, and again, you deal, deal with the argument of like underground to mainstream and whatever. And there's all sorts of, but there's so much cool shit now too. Like I look at young kids and I'm like, I love like, like skater kids and like, you know, it's like the kind of Cali rapper skater kids and right, right. their energy and just, and I love that like, to me, that new generation, I, my friends' kids come to my parties now. That's awesome. Mm. My friends' kids grow up in a generation where they don't say like black or white or think that way or whatever. And it's like, yes, maybe they're a little too worried with selfies and fame right. and other shit. Like each generation has their own shit, but I like a lot of the things that are now. So I don't want to bemoan that it's not the past. It's almost like a, a, a lighter sense of innocence with these kids. People they are nicer. They didn't have to go through the shit we went through. Yes, but they're nicer to each other. Right. I understand there's crap at school and right. bullying and stuff, but like halfway grown, like kids who are about to be adults, 19, 20, they are nice to each other. Right. When I was that age, people were not nice to each mm. other. People support each other. They want to win. They're like, they're happy. Yeah, you know, so much, it's, it's interesting that you say that because there's been so much placed on bullying that kids, like, they know what the fuck bullying is. Back then, you just bullied motherfuckers. Right, right. <laughs> you know what I mean? So how's, how's, the, how's the environment? Um, so, okay, so here's the thing. So yeah. we did the first one, yeah. and it was during Super Bowl weekend. Uh-huh. And, you know, we just said, I mean, we kind of threw it together. Right. Like, originally, Flex and I talked, like, you know, go in and see what you want to change in the venue, do this, do that. And then we just were sort of like, fuck it, and just did it. We put the tickets on sale online. He got all these artists wanted to be down. We didn't say they were performing. We just said they were hosting. Right. And we didn't really change anything in the club. Sold out. Sold out. And then guest list. And I kind of was um, a bit reserved with the guest list and whatnot for the first one because I really wanted to see how was it? How right. did it feel? What did I think? Right. And um, and when you say reserved in terms of like keeping it to a low I just, I didn't encourage inviting a lot of my people. I took care of anybody who hit me that was legitimate. Gotcha. I mean, anybody from Sadat X to Frankie Cutlass hit me, right? You know, it was like, of course. But like, how I was going to roll or partake, like, I just didn't know how I, how it would feel. I'd never been in BB Kings for an event, ever. I went for a walkthrough. It's an interesting place. Yeah. I trusted Flex's judgment because we knew Tunnel 2014 meant a lot of radio listeners. Mm And a lot of his fans. Mm-hmm. So I went with what he thought since he does places like Webster Hall and, and BB Kings and I don't anymore. Right, right. And I don't do big venues. So, um, anyway, we do have a, a roped off VIP section, which is not very tunnel like, right. but you know, necessary in this because we've got 20 artists on the invite each yeah. time. And we thought we're going to put the artists at the table and we're going to give them some alcohol. We told them no sparklers, right? But, the funny thing is, all the artists want to do is stand on stage with Flex. Yeah. The first one, there were so many artists on stage. Oh. At one point, I looked up and I said, oh, shit, there's a fight. Because I saw people falling. But all it was is there were so many people, people on the stage. When the people got to the front stage, they were just tipping <laughs> off and falling into the crowd. It was crazy. Uh. Um, the first one... Uh, I mean, Khaled was there, Meek mm. Mill performed, Mob Deep performed. Mm. There was just, this last one, Mac Wilds performed. He right. killed it. Right. Killed it. Vado performed, Mavado performed, the locks were there. It's just, it's got an excitement. Yes. And what I realized this last, so this time I came, I rolled in with 30 of my friends, right. took over like my corner. And like, these are my friends who not only don't go clubbing anymore, they sure as shit don't go to a hip hop radio ticket online party. They were so excited. They were waiting. Nice. They were like, we can't wait. We can't wait. Nice. I think, it's a really interesting thing. 
And what I found is sitting with them in our corner, the experience, and then I was on stage standing in the booth with Flex, the experience was so different in right. the different places. And what I felt watching Flex and when he came on and that crowd and that energy, I don't know if you saw any of the photos I posted or anything, it's, it's intense. He's literally giving a performance. Mm. And it reminded me of what the big house DJs do now mm. in venues where this massive crowd comes and all they do is stand there staring the at the DJ stage watching the, the DJ perform. Right, right. And I love that. When nice. that thought came together in my head, I was like, this is so dope for Flex. Like, and I get so excited to see so, something so great So this is for full him. circle. <laughs> yeah, and not only that, but full circle for hip hop. Right. With it, with a DJ, I mean, the DJ is what started hip hop in yeah. the first place. Yeah. But the DJ now gets that recognition. Yeah. That. I mean, a hundred percent, but of course, Flex breaks all the rules and is above and beyond because mm -hmm. there, there is no other Flex and There's there never a, will. He's be. an institution right now. A hundred percent. Yes. And, and a very smart institution who like, you know, people don't even understand how much he manages his businesses right. and himself and his site and all that stuff. Like, it's no credit to... Yes, of course, he has a great team, but all credit to he's, him, he's, really. He's fully involved. Yeah. Um, but it's awesome. And um, so now I'm excited for it. And it's once a month. It's going to be the first Saturday of every month. Nice. Um, what I'm thinking is that next year, All-Star is in New York. Yeah. And maybe... Um, and that's kind of going to be my final. I'm going to do a lot of big parties that right. week and sort of... So your victory lap? Yeah. Your victory lap? <laughs> yeah, hopefully. Um but I was thinking that we'll do, the game alone. we'll do a really spectacular um, tunnel that yes. weekend. And maybe it's the Tunnel All-Stars. Mm. And maybe I can get the guys who were the All-Stars back then. What? We're buying those bottles. What? I don't know. What? Sounds like what? a good idea to me. What? I'm going to be there. Yeah. I'm going to be there. That one will be. Jessica, thank you so much. You're very welcome. Thank you so much. I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm tired. <laughs> I, you know what? That's, that's you know, we give Is so much on sign? the show. You went, you went through 25, 25 you went through 40 years. Years. <laughs> you went through your birth. <laughs> you you came out we of the womb. All and kinds you, of years. You know, we had so much, but, but I mean, mm. I, at least you got some of it. No, we got it. We got no. Thank mm. you so much. You're very and, and I really hope fun. that I really hope you enjoy the the momentum that the, like we, one of the things that we love about this show is the guests come on and they don't really know what to expect. Mm. But when we drop the following week, there's so much excitement. And Are you going to make a cool flyer to promote it? I saw everybody else got you know cool what? flyers. Ooh. What's up with that? I'll yeah. tell you what. Oh, you've I'll been tell studying. You what. I'll tell you what. <laughs> show you Bill. What. You, you, you want to show us uh, uh, a couple of your flyers? We'll get a flyer to pay homage okay. to some of your... You know what? Let's talk because I'll, I'll get my, I'll get my, my, okay. my guy. What, when is your birthday, Jessica? January. Uh, oh, Capricorn? Yeah. January what? 17. What? What? That's Martin Luther King's birthday. No shit. <laughs> My birthday party is always you on that birthday weekend. You had a dream. Weekend. You know what Martin Luther King loved you more than a, anything? What? Brownies. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, listen. You are stupid. You are straight listen, stupid we can right stay now. here all night. No. You got to come back. Okay. You got to come back. I know you're doing some other things and you, and, and, you know you have some plans. You got to okay. come back. I, listen, the more I put it out there, the more I figure it propels me to get the right. plans done. Because I'm kind of, I'm really bad about just, they like, you know, I never do interviews. I never talk. And then it's like, people are like, why not? I'm like, I don't know. I just need to be pushed to do it or whatever. Well, I'm glad you enjoyed this. But did, I did. Well, did you did, I did. enjoy it. Okay, I did. good, good, good. I'm grinning. I'm sure I'm red in the face. It's warm in here. Good, 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 good. <laughs> and, um, so let's yeah. wrap it up. Dallas Penn. Combat Jack, another one, like we like to say, in the can. Yes. Incredible. I realize now how much of a burnout I am. But, but Jessica, I trust me. Whenever I've been at a Jessica Rosenblum event, I've had a great time. Yes, well, thank you. I'm glad to hear it. I've ate well. I've I've drunk. I'm well. sure you drank well. I 
And I've probably gotten kicked out because they were like, well. women, you're a slob. Get out of here. Well, I mean, you know, yeah. you could come out too. Now I do have a lot, you know. I, I'm, I can't wait. I have whip on Sunday every week now. Uh, you, you, you did whip. You did whip, uh, when, when, uh, Drake and Chris Brown. With I your pillows was, at each other. I remember <laughs> <laughs> I was actually there that night. Um, and I do, uh, work in house mm-hmm. at whip and greenhouse. So I help them with a lot of their programming and content. But Sunday at Whip is actually my night. Okay. okay. So Whip on Sunday. Whip on Sunday. Yes. You, you'll know it by the fancy cars on Varick Internets. Yep. <laughs> you'll yep. see the rims. Pete. I tell you, um. Illuminati. Just, yeah, that, that, that definitely. But, <laughs> but, but my soul I can't my body. you are a true <laughs> hustler. You are a true hustler. Mm-hmm. And I tell you, even like the, what stuck out to me is like licking your wounds and then still keep on coming back. And, 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 you know, that not only a message for women, just, just, just a, a true hustler. Survivor. Um, yeah, survivor. Thank you. And we and another gem, man. I mean, week after week, we've been we're on a roll. Gems we're on a roll. Yeah, we're on yeah, a roll. This one right here. 2014 I mean, pe- in general is just feeling good. Yeah, it is. P- people don't really know. They'll, they'll learn after this episode, but just how important you were to to give uh, that aspect uh, to Puff. To, I guess, you know, for Puff well, to, to be attracted Puff to, to you. Russell, and for you to And for you to, to kind of give... Puff the access to to your connections, your your lifestyle. Yes. It, Again, as I said, I mean, a great chemistry, and he had a vision, and he saw something in me, and I saw something in him, and it worked. But I certainly created access for people and for the music to get to people, mm-hmm. you know, when other people couldn't. And I, I there's certainly a period in time when, you know, anybody could get a club. And then I felt really tight. I right. was like, damn, this was my shit. Now anybody could. You yeah, know, it's yeah. kind of like how they joke, like, any everybody and their cousin's a DJ now. Right. It's like anybody and their, like, little sister was like, you know, and their cousin's brother's friend was a promoter. It was like, you know, come on now. <laughs> yeah. how, was, how was Talib as, a, as an intern? He was a sweetie. Yeah. He was a sweetie. And we, we're still friends to this day. And I love every once in a while he, he'll tweet or say something about it. He was out passing out flyers for me and Flex or something funny like that. He's awesome. That's crazy. Like I like him as a person, yeah. an artist, everything. That's crazy. We always have a nice drink together when we see each other. And yeah. he's also become a great DJ. Yes. On top of everything. So I book him every once in a while really? too. Yeah. Okay. Let's wrap it up. Internets, you know what this is, man. Dream those dreams and then man up and live those dreams because of life without dreams. It's black and white, and the universe flows in Technicolor and surround sound. Blah. <laughs> Internets. Internets. Cheer. Every Sunday night, let's let them know. Every Sunday night, the tunnel is rocking. I ain't even gonna talk right now. Let's take them back for a second, uh, Scratch.
Shit up. Tell the motherfucker.